Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. I'm your host, Scott White. And what we have here today, we have a bonus podcast. That's right. Before I started doing my own podcast, this one in the Dan Aykroyd podcast, I was and am a frequent guest on the Canadian Movie Crew. Uh, I'm going to leave a link to their site uh, in the description of this uh, podcast. But we talk about movies, and the first time I ever talked about a Charles Bronson movie was on the Canadian Movie Crew with Derek and Mark. Uh, This was a couple of years back, uh, so I just wanted to give you a taste of uh, the the genesis of where the uh, the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. Uh, so this is from the archives, uh, a couple of years old. It's me with the guys up north in Canada. I hope you enjoy it. And take it away! You're listening to a CanadianMovieCrew.com production. Ten to Midnight is the story of a grizzled cop tracking down a naked serial killer. Or is it? Phoenix. Welcome back to the Or Is It Movie Podcast, where we try to find the real story behind the story. I'm Sean Taylor. And I mean Mark. And today, uh, we, also, we have a special guest once again. He is back uh, doing this uh, for uh, a great service for us. Welcome back, Scott White. Thank you, guys. Now, thank you guys for having me here. Absolutely. Now, I heard last week I was the first American to be on the show. That's true. Am I the first guest to do back-to-back episodes? That is also true. Bam! Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, you've got two titles, not I have one two but two titles. Thank you. That's right. And like you I said, you're push- the uh, you're the tallest to I be on the show. Yes. <laughs> Bam! Three. Bam! Three belts. <laughs> I, we don't have a belt for that third one, though, so you'll just have to be happy with the two belts that you get. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me back. I had a blast uh, blast last week's, and I'm, having, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have a blast doing it this week. Uh, thanks for filling in for me. I was on vacation there. Good, uh, good rest <laughs> and ready to get back into it. And what a choice that you have made here for our movie, uh, Charles Bronson, 10 to Midnight. I am yes. shocked that... From what I have gathered from you two, this is the first Charles Bronson movie either of you have ever seen. That's correct. That's correct. Well, let's put it this way. 1983, uh, the only movie for me was Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was a little too young for naked killers. Um, <laughs> so this kind of got out of my purview, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 1983, I was watching Care Bears. I was three years old in 1983, so. <laughs> yeah, I was nine. So <laughs> well, I, I, okay, well, okay, my, my, my dad. Know, I, I, t- I told him my date. La- I told him my age uh, during the last one. They don't get to hear it during this one. So if you want to no. find out how old I am, listen to the last week maniac cop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, podcast. <laughs> I know. To be fair, though, I mean, some people, their parents, or maybe now even their grandparents, might have been Bronson fans. My dad was a Western kind of guy, so. Bronson did. A, uh, Bronson did some westerns too. He did uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, very famous. Uh, very oh no, we're talking western. like John Wayne kind of westerns. So. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So, no, no one in my family was watching this, and boy, did they miss out. I tell you what. <laughs> By the way, I have to say the uh, the only American ever to show up on our on our show wearing a Montreal Expos baseball cap. Yes. By the way, 
Yeah, I know. That's why I didn't. I didn't even know you were American. <laughs> I'm looking at you through Skype. I'm like, so you're playing was, in Ottawa? I, I figured you uh, live there. M, you know? I was was or am a big Rusty Staub fan, La Grande Orange, <laughs> who played for the Expos. And ah, okay. He also played for the Detroit Tigers. That's where I grew up in Michigan. So that's where I knew him from. So that's and that's why you don't sound Texan. I don't sound Texan. <laughs> You got an email about that. It's like he says he's from Texas, but why he doesn't sound Texan? And I'm like, oh, right. Oh, we actually we actually had a complaint about that. <laughs> well, no, he's just wondering. He was just <laughs> he's like, no, he doesn't. Did we sound get like any? Oh, well, yes, that's that explains it. I live in Houston, <laughs> but I'm from Michigan. Oh, you know what? To balance the scales, I actually have a Detroit Tigers hat. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> I got it back in like '99 when uh, what was that stadium they were tearing down? Tiger Stadium. The tiger, yeah, Tiger Stadium. Yeah, when, <laughs> that, I know. Was I know. Name of that Detroit Tiger Stadium they were turning. <laughs> well, no, yeah. Come on. To be fair, these days it's like which cell phone company stadium? It's Comerica Park now, but yes, <laughs> yeah. it Thank, was. It yeah, was Tiger much. Stadium that they that they tore down. Yeah, I actually did get to see a game there. And uh, welcome back to CanadianBaseballCrew.com. In case <laughs> yeah, you're just really? joining yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and the one guy that did email in wanted to know how your how you and your family were holding up. Since you're from Houston, Texas, and they yes. of course got hit by Har- uh, Hurricane Harvey. Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. I've been I've been up here in Canada for a while, and I've had quite a few people come up to me after shows and are genuinely interested in how I'm doing and how my friends and family are doing. So it was very it was very touching. It was very sweet. Uh, so I was very touched by all that. So, and if anybody is listening, I'm from Houston, and um, all my friends and family are safe. So, I, good. Uh, I'm was one of the lucky ones during this. So, good. Yes, good. Let's well, go I'm sure here. you wouldn't be here if if that weren't the case. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's that's good to know. I'm uh, really uh, happy to hear that. Well, thank you, you know, guys. I appreciate loved ones that. are taken care of and stuff like that. That's good. So, a lot of weird stories coming out of there. But uh, anyway. Speaking of weird stories. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, 10 to midnight. Uh, we can welcome to the show a bunch. Uh, Charles Bronson, uh, Eliza Elbacher. Elbacher, I, I guess. <laughs> she was in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, she was. Yes. So. Yep. Uh, oh, wait, do I get another title? Am I the first? Am I the first guest to introduce to? Because I, I, last week I heard. Bruce Campbell has never been on this podcast. That's true. And Charles That's Bronson right. has never been on this broadcast. And now there's Wilford Brimley either. Wilford Brimley. I have some when we get to Wilford Brimley, I have okay. I have a fact. Do you okay, do I, you get the I you get the diabetes? Opinion. Diabetes. Oh yeah. Oh commercial? yeah. Okay, so you know what we're talking about. Yeah. So. Well, so got the, the we get the family guy shows that reference it. So okay. I, so. It's well known up here. It's well known. Okay, so diabetes. Or however he says it. Diabetes. 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 Uh, right. Andrew That'd Stevens be. as well, uh, Kelly Preston in a very early role, mm-hmm. the now wife of John Travolta. And, and uh, uh, the, uh, oh the my god, that was Kelly Michael Preston. Jackson thriller video, Ola Ray. The, the black woman? Yes. Really? Yes. She was the oh, woman. Oh, I did not catch the, that. She was the woman in the Michael Jackson thriller video. Oh, shit. You know, I kind of thought she looked familiar. Yes. Well, I mean, to be fair, while that video was done like a year later in 84, no one had the classic 80s hair except Michael back in that video. Like <laughs> everyone true. was all zombied up and the dancing dead and all, you know. What I can't believe is we can actually welcome someone back to this show. Uh, Gene Davis, who was the killer. What was what, Wait what a was second. He, in? he was in Universal Soldier. Oh, he. 
That's right. Yeah, wasn't he one of the scientists? Yeah, I think so. He was some some small role. He obviously wasn't, you know, a big star. Oh but, no, he was he was a lieutenant. I just looked it up. But that's uh, I was like, wow, we can actually welcome back someone to the show. <laughs> that's amazing and, to me. And when I say a lieutenant, I mean his credited name is Lieutenant. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you go. that's about it for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that is crazy. So this movie. Oh wow! I mean, this movie starts and and, and spoiler to the end, but stops rather abru- both rather abru- abruptly. Yes, because it kind of just starts, and Charles Bronson is in the thing, and I guess he's taking the statement of someone who uh, has a stabbed serial confession. a serial, con- a serial oh, is confessor. Is that what that is? Yes. Oh, okay. He confesses to anything, so they know him around the precinct and stuff like that. So okay, he confesses to everything. I guess just to get thrown in jail and get a hot meal or something like right. that. Right? Okay. Um, and then he says, "No, the jail's full up." Yeah. I'm like, oh. And did you notice? I don't know if you noticed in this scene, but there's the guy uh, with the big brown paper bag, sort of sitting off to the right and behind. Oh yeah. Where he was getting booked in for something, he was being interviewed for something, but he kept staring at Charles Bronson. <laughs> I didn't notice that. No. <laughs> it's like, this is like the worst extra ever. Uh, like he's just he's just watching the other actors in the scene, right? Uh, I believe the nineteen eighties uh, the nineteen eighties term for that guy was wino. Yeah, uh, yes. he was being yeah. booked for being a wino. <laughs> yes. By the way, I did I did have a quick synopsis for this. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Uh, please, I know, go I, ahead. Again, I can't do what text does, but what I could do is, hey, it's Charles Brunson. Here's the summary of the movie. There's bad guys, and I'm going to kill them. There, that's it. That's it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's all you need to know. It's a Charles Bronson movie. movie. <laughs> well, then this. But, Sorry, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. then, well, then after the wino leaves, a reporter comes up to him. Yeah, and, and starts he... questioning him about the the killings, and he says a line. He said, uh, uh, "Charles Bronson says uh, the chief issued a statement," and the reporter says. I could fart a better statement than that. <laughs> and I figured, so that's just going to, that just set the tone of the movie. Yeah. You know, absolutely. The, the writing and how the dialogue's going to be. You yeah. Know, if that was one of the opening, opening lines, I could fart a better very, statement. Very, very bare bones, very minimum dialogue in this at yes. all. I, I love it though. In fact, I think I'm going to use that at work sometime. <laughs> uh, you know, I could, I could fart a better sales report. <laughs> yeah. There you, <laughs> you go. You have to do it as Bronson. Yeah. Do it you as Bronson. You got to try and do it as Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love uh, at the beginning too. So we have uh, his excite like no one will be seated during the epic Charles Bronson is typing scene. First of all, <laughs> two finger typing, two finger typing, <laughs> two finger yep. typing. He's a hacker, He's hunting and pecking. <laughs> These damn newfangled machines, you know. <laughs> but then, then we go to cut to some wicked generic '80s hair metal, whatever they could afford. That's yeah. what I have. I have very and- '80s credit music. That's oh, what I have I, I written mean, down right here. Very '80s credit music. Yep. I I don't know who was doing the sound foley in this and how high they were, but they're putting like this is like action, like '80s action. There should be guns going off, yes. cars slamming into each other, and what we're doing, we're watching people walk across a, a, a causeway, and and some guy just standing there. Yeah, excitement! Woo! You know. Well, <laughs> like, what got me out of this opening scene is that they said Charles Bronson's like, yeah, I want to find the killer, and then credits. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a killer. Okay. I guess uh, let's go. I, <laughs> sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, if you ever had Shakespeare in the Park starring Charles Bronson. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if I if there was, oh my god, I would love it. <laughs> ah, Yorick, fuck him. <laughs> um, 
And then we is this where we see the guy dancing in his underwear? Not dancing in his underwear. Well, we well, see he's him. Sort of, he's sort of boogie He's stalking. We first see him stalking his victim. That's right. That's right. right. The blonde and girl. It's weird. Getting- and we see a flash forward <laughs> during the stalking yeah. scene. We see a flash forward. We see something that hasn't happened yet. Of uh, the two, uh, the the blonde and her and her man fucking yeah, in the right. back of that. Well, that hasn't happened yet, so we're actually seeing a flash forward. Right, but he's looking at the sweetest nineteen eighties van. I Ever. think all it all it needed was a big wolf painted on the side. That's yeah. all that was missing. But this thing yeah. was tricked out, man. Mattress in the back, the mag wheels. This thing was beautiful. Can only be topped by the eighteen van, but that's it. But uh, <laughs> then we go to him dancing in the underwear. And yeah. I have written here, uh, Killer Saturday Night Fever. That's what it reminded <laughs> you. When, you know, very Saturday Night Fever when John Travolta was getting ready. Blow dry in the hair. Dancing yeah, around in that's the right, string right. or whatever. The, the, the bikini briefs. So yeah. that very much Saturday Night Fever, the killer uh, preparing. So you, Absolutely. And I, you and I had different thoughts. My thought was, whoa, that's tiny underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. And, and that's he's bouncing too. That, that that that's great. And I I love that the uh, the transposition we've seen over time with the guys. It was the tiniest underwear you can find. With the women, it was the biggest underwear you yeah. can find always. And that has slowly kind of changed and switched over time. Now, fast forward. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this guy. I, I wanted to. I was hoping for like a just to harken back to that. Like I wanted something a little more, maybe late seventies to kick in here during his getting ready montage. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so weird. Oh yeah, this is so weird. Okay. Oh, uh, right off the top, guys, please help me out here. Were we not looking at a young Jim Carrey this entire time? This oh, guy yeah. looked so too much like Jim Carrey. <laughs> Kind of like a, a kind of like a cross between Jim Carrey and a young Christian Bale from American Psycho. American Psycho, yes, yes, exactly. That that I could not. It it haunted me the entire. In fact, in some of my notes, <laughs> alrighty then. <laughs> <laughs> Time to kill you now, you know. <laughs> but in some of my notes, I wrote him. I just wrote in not Jim Carrey. Not, yeah. I wrote on my note after he does finally get dressed. I. Uh, I wrote members only jacket. He puts on a members <laughs> only yes. jacket. So that puts very, on the thriller jacket. Very eighties, yeah. yes. Well, and that's how you can tell he's the killer because he's wearing something cool and hip, whereas everyone else is in tweed. Yes, and, tweed and this, on tweed on tweed. And this Mark adds to your theory. Mark has a great theory about killers in movies. Mark, go ahead. Oh, uh, if they slick back their hair, they're the bad guy always. <laughs> slick back hair, yeah. You can't trust anyone with slick back hair, especially if it's black, because it gets that evil sheen somehow, and that they are completely untrustworthy. And this guy is no exception. Now he puts a little eighties feather into it. Yeah, so sure. casting some doubt, but no, no, no. We, we, he's not in a tweed jacket, so we know he's bad. He's well, bad when he news. flips the butterfly knife. Oh horribly. yes, yes. He didn't even do that ow, well. Ow, 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 yeah. Which never comes back. Like he Which, never flips it again before a kill. Right. Which would have been killed. You know, cool to see right before he stabs somebody to do the butterfly flip. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And yeah, then look, I what? noticed that there's actually a picture of him in a karate stance. He has a picture of yes. himself on the wall. On the wall. <laughs> and I put in parentheses Bruce Lee, which we'll, which we'll address later. But Okay. Um, what, what, my only comment to that was, is doesn't everybody? Yes. <laughs> I'm staring at one right now. It's above my computer, me in a karate stance. I never took karate, but I have a picture of me in a karate stance. <laughs> this is crazy. And I love the motive for this guy. Can we get to that? Okay. His whole uh, motive... 
for for I've his. Got, first, yeah, I, I've got the motive. Um, he got he got rejected at work. Yes, here's what he does at work, and he gets re- he. Uh, there was a woman at work, and he unzips the back of her dress, and she throws coffee at him, yes. and he's not fired. Yeah, he's yeah. not fired. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if he got a talking to. So if that, that happened at work, you would be gone so quickly. How could you not get fired after that? I know. That Brenda was not doing her job that day. Yeah. No, no <laughs> their yeah, HR no, rep. No, if people no, in HR but, were taking the day off that day, yeah. But did you notice that she didn't really stop him right away? Like he got all the way down yeah, to the small of her the way back. Down. Yeah, that's that's almost on her. Almost. <laughs> I, will never I mean, say she, totally she could her, have easily kind of flipped that coffee throw a lot sooner. <laughs> Once she realized, like, I think someone's unzipping my dress. Does it feel, what should I do now? I don't know. I'm a woman of the 80s. I'm empowered. Which I know. I'll throw coffee in his face. Like, that's the uh, mental process we get there. That's, I can only explain why it took so long. How work the next day with a guy that did that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, it's just, that was unreal to me. The fact that he that's still true. had That's true. I didn't even think uh, about that. Yeah. Him. In the same office. It's not like same six office. Months. Yeah, it's, he'll, yeah. He's, he'll see her every day. And what does he do? It's, he cleans typewriters. He's the only dude in the office of like 50 women. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He, yeah, exactly. And he's a typewriter and, repairman. So that's, and the beauty, how, that's how dating Yes, yeah. yeah. First off, all, all you young people <laughs> who are watching this movie, that's called a typewriter. That was a computer back in the 80s. That's what that it, was. Pretty, pretty much. It was our word processor. And, that, much, and yeah. that's the thing, right? Like, so he's basically the equivalent of, is the 1980s IT guy. Yeah. I think pretty much. Yeah. At this company. Now, you know what I really like too? Like, this movie is, they're cutting all the corners. They're not going to take time. What the fuck is that office? What do they do there? What's everybody typing up that they, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so fast and furious. I, I, yeah. Everybody, there's 50 women typing. But, but what is it? But we don't know what they're doing. Exactly. We don't know what the company it, is. It is like, the stereotypical <laughs> typing pool. Yeah. Yes. The secretary pool. Yeah, that, pretty much. Know, which <laughs> for, for sort what? of went out of style in the 1950s. That, yeah, so. <laughs> I would love it if it was the secretary pool for like Apple. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make you obsolete in about five years <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's the thing hey, this is a charles bronson movie fuck what they do it yeah, the women are, the women are there he's hitting on the women and then there's the coffee and now he's gonna kill her like yeah. that's <laughs> from the pen of bronson himself i yes. guess i don't know <laughs> uh, so i guess the next scene is him setting up his alibi at the movie theater yeah he goes to the movie theater set up that oh, i like this actually that was pretty smart I was, uh, yeah. I got to give it to him. I'm like, for the first time in a movie, we actually have a smart killer. And he sets up, a, he sets up his own alibi. We see it, right? Yeah, cool. He has the runtime of the movie, so he knows exactly when it started. He made sure to make himself known. Got out of there. Yeah, and yeah. He, yeah, more than one person. Yeah, it yep. was made himself. To corrupt. Like you have he's the girl at the ticket counter, and then he has the two girls that he hits on. Right. Yeah, and just complete. He's completely socially awkward with them, to, so that way he can stand out. It's it's actually quite brilliant. <laughs> now, I did notice this. It was this happened in a lot of seventies and eighties movies. A lot of bathrooms have a window that goes to the outdoors. Yep, I have <laughs> never seen that in my life. No? I have okay, never yeah, seen that. That's true, life. actually. I've this, never this, seen this. a window because I've seen a couple of shows and movies where people um, escape through the bathroom window. 
Uh, and I have never seen that in my real in, in, in my life, a window in a bathroom that leads to the outside. In a public place. In a public place. Yes. Now, this is why I'm really glad we have you here, Scott, because I wanted that corroborated from an American who's been in American theaters that they can verify that this is not a, a typical bathroom for such an establishment. This was not a typical bathroom for an establishment. So, <laughs> so makes me wonder, where did they film this? Whose establishment has well, this kind of that bathroom looked like it was in not not in the bathroom of a movie theater, exactly, but, more, yes. but more in the bathroom of like a cabin in the woods. <laughs> it was like a wood door with a wood frame, dusty, dirty sink. Yes. So it didn't look like the bathroom of uh, well, I mean, we didn't have cineplexes back then, but uh, no, but it, it maybe it was more like a 1950s greasy spoon. Yeah, something like so, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so just so ju- you know, they had the open window because they didn't have the fans, and then they just discovered stall technology. So <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I don't know that, but you're right. It's complete, and and I love it when movies, and I kind of hate it when movies do that. They're like they set you up in this one locale, but they can't use all of it. They just got to take you somewhere else to get what they want. So now we're piecemealing and legoing together what their building yeah, would yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, it happened a lot because on-set locations everywhere you go, right? So, yeah, it's the 80s, whatever. So then we get to his kill? <laughs> yeah, his well, I, kill? Know, I noticed a, a couple. He's driving in Volks, a Volkswagen Bug. Yeah. Which I thought was, I I thought it was kind of cool that, you know, the killer's in a Volks, the most <laughs> unassuming car. That's true. Uh, you know, so. That's true. Because um, most time you think of a killer, they're driving a slick car or something like that. Yeah. He's in a Volkswagen bug, so, yeah. you know, just trying to blend in. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was kind of a cool. To nice be touch. fair, he's one of the best movie killers I think I've ever seen. <laughs> he only fucks up once, and we'll get to that. But yeah, he, he's he's well, pretty it, good. It goes to show to his confidence, right? He doesn't need the the sports car penis mobile, yeah, to to really validate himself. Like he's just like, I can afford this. So it's loud as fuck. So I don't know how <laughs> he sneaks true, up yeah. on this couple. I think, Driving I think into it the woods, he must, have parked, well, he must have parked a couple miles away. Right. <laughs> and I guess, you know, at the beginning of the movie, we see him stalking her. So I guess that's why he knows where they're at. I guess he's followed them there a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. What, what really I have in my notes that. is two grown adults having sex in a van. Get a room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in room. Oh, you know, or just you know, tell your roommate to step out or whatever. You know, it's just like you know, put the sock on the door. It's two grown adults having sex in a van in the middle of a park. Yeah, that's true. This yeah. isn't two high school students. No, it's not. These are grown adults that have jobs and stuff like that. Yes. Well, well, she has a job. Well, she- <laughs> yeah, we don't know anything about him. He could be because, like, we know we find out later on that she's uh, she has a roommate. And she sleeps in the same room. Yes, I noticed that too. They oh, had weird. the uh, the Dick Van Dyke beds, beds yeah. one right <laughs> yeah. next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My my thoughts Google on that, this kids. guy. Yes, kids. When you're googling typewriter, Google Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> my my thoughts on this guy. Maybe he wasn't employed, and every penny he had went into that sweet van. So he couldn't afford to That's take true. his lady to a hotel. That's maybe it's a conversion van. Maybe they they had a, like a pop down bed in the back. You know what I mean? Oh, he oh no, he built yeah, he customized that thing for fucking. That's there's no doubt about that. Plus, and and that's the thing. He probably still lives with his parents too. Yeah, well, and they make it out. She's kind of a slut, right? 
Yes, that uh, comes up later co- that she's kind of a whore. <laughs> you know, so. that, come, like she, that comes up. <laughs> that comes up later and later again. Like they, yes. they, they keep <laughs> keeps coming up. You're right. <laughs> like they almost break the rule of three with that one. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, they do. So uh, Lori's killer. Lori, you mean the slut? Yeah, the yes, slut. Lori's killer. You know? <laughs> so we finally get to the point where we see the actual flash forward in yep. real time, mm-hmm, where he's looking mm-hmm. in at the. At the the couple having sex, <laughs> yeah, and this is a rated R movie, but it was pretty pretty graphic sex for a rated R movie. It was pretty graphic, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's tell, you can that's tell wise. that they're both totally naked. There's no oh well, you get that throughout the film, but yes, yes but yeah, I mean, obviously, there's yes. no like mesh bikini something like no, that. No, no, no. Those guys, they're both all they're all three are totally naked at this time yeah oh and, Why and most is he naked yes well we, that, that comes out later and that, and, and, and that, that was my original thing sm- was. which is kind of smart which is kind of smart um but but my first reaction i wrote down why is he naked why is he naked why is he naked that was my first reaction I'm like why is he <laughs> and why is he chasing at he's like prancing after her yeah did you notice that when he's chasing her down he she's like He's like prancing. Well, he, yeah, you know? he swings open the door and he kills the boyfriend immediately. Yeah, and she doesn't. Bam! She Gone. doesn't wait around to see if the boyfriend's off. I mean, she is out of there in a flash. And uh, and then, like you said, there's the prancing around the woods, both of them naked. Yeah. So, I my my I had a note here for this one. So, uh, with not Jim Carrey's first kill, told you I was going to do that. Yeah. Uh, what's the lesson here? There's a couple lessons we can learn from this. First, if you're going to kill in the great outdoors, do it naked. Why not? Frolic. Uh, but I think this might have been a mistake for him here because I, I don't think he was prancing so much. He was like, out, out, rocks, out, out, out. That's <laughs> another thing, too. Yeah. Uh, they're running at full force. I yeah. mean, I guess if you're scared to death that you're going to be killed, you're not right. gonna, Yeah, you can do that. But that had to be hell on their hell on the actor's feet. Yeah, uh, to, to yeah. run through the woods and like that, unless they had some sort of protection. And um, she's pretty much just like a porn actress they hired, right? Like I'm pretty sure. Maybe, maybe I don't. I don't I, know. She she seemed pretty comfortable just running around naked in the woods. But <laughs> the uh, the second the second lesson: uh, if you're going to run for your life naked, run deeper into the forest. I think <laughs> that's the thing. To like, <laughs> she doesn't head for the road. Or the way out, she's yeah. like, nope, I'll yeah. lose them in the trees. <laughs> yeah. And this is, Mark, where, I, with your permission, I'd like to do an If I Were. Oh, please. This is sort of an ongoing segment of our show. Um, I am not a hot, naked blonde running from a na- from a naked killer. So you can stop sending the emails, people. Right. But if I were, I would find a hiding spot and not continue crying loudly. <laughs> she finds a hiding spot, and then she's no, all like, No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> It's not a hiding spot. She crouches by a tree. She's I know. not hiding at all. She is. She's crouching by a tree where where even anybody could see her walking by. So, and she's crying Absolutely. like you said. So she's not a. Yeah, and you know. Yeah, she's she's not hiding. She just gave up. She's like maybe yeah. I'll resort to begging now because I'm out of breath. Well, that might have been it. And I don't know if this point she knows who it is. So maybe she's out of breath and she's thinking, well, I know who he is. Maybe I can reason with him and something like that, which and didn't and go maybe well. ask him why he's naked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right because she does start to bargain, right? She she yes. actually and she calls him by his name. Yeah, yeah. I'll do anything you want, like you know, just don't don't hurt me, kind of thing. And and 
Yeah, and he's like, no, I, I pretty much have my... I got a movie to get back to? Yeah. Okay, so my question then becomes, because this comes up a little bit later in the uh, in the doctor scene where we get to the uh, the autopsy. <clears throat> where does he stab her? Right in the gut. Right in the gut. That's what I'm believing. Mm-hmm. Okay, because... And I'm, jump ahead just a little bit. Oh, did you um, pull the coroner's report on this one? Yeah, well, because he says... Uh, he says to the doctor, was this girl raped? No, there's no signs of forcible entry. I could have told you that. Exactly. <laughs> and he says, why? He says, why? He says, if someone does something like this, the knife must be his penis. I have that written down, too. What? I have that exact Charles Bronson say. Everybody, everybody do your Charles Bronson saying pe- penis. Penis. Yeah, it has to be his penis. I have that it line written to, down too. And I'm like, it has what? to be his penis. I don't, I'm like, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. So I looked at the body, and it looked like the blood that was on the sheet. Oh, do you think he stabbed her in the in, in the vagina? Ah. I, I think he stabbed her in the vagina. No, no, because they, they show pictures later. And they show more pictures and more pictures. <laughs> and more right? pictures. That's yes, true. that's right. So it's very clear that the ketchup was put on her belly. They probably okay. warmed it up first in the microwave and then put it on her stomach. Because if he stabs her in the vagina, that's the only way that line makes sense. Kind of. Sort of. Right here. Knife has to be his penis. Yeah, knife has to be his penis. Yeah. <laughs> did you write it in the Charles Bronson accent? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did. Yeah. Knife has accent. to be his penis. <laughs> My neighbors must be wondering what the hell I'm doing down here because you guys are There's in another a great Charles Bronson line coming up, too. Oh, there's uh, which, tons of them in this movie. Which uh, which we'll have to say in the Charles Bronson accent. But, oh, ab- uh, absolutely. There's too many right down. Uh, but my, my third lesson from this kill is, uh, and I never believed that this could be possible, but sexual harassment can actually be used as your motive and your alibi. Like, that was amazing. Yes. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Because <laughs> after the, the, the kill, re- we cut back to the movie theater. He gets back in. He flushes the his gloves. Yep. The, the gloves. dirty gloves, yep. And, uh, the, his clothes the are pristine. Women, yeah, the two women that he was harassing uh, before, he harasses them again as they leave. <laughs> he continues to harass. Yeah. Well, I think, like, I think at this point, he just harasses them to make sure that they're caught in his mind because yeah. he only does it for a couple of seconds and then he tells them to, 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 to fuck off and leave. Yeah. So yeah. I think it was but, just to put him in their mind again. Well, uh, yeah, but the, the one thing that doesn't make sense about that is that he actually seemed to be doing okay with at least one of them. The, yes. The really, the not really the one big, he was like, hitting the, on with her. With her the, friend who drove if you know what i'm talking about the friend who drove in yeah and and the one with the very very pointy breasts and yes. I, pointy breasts and puffy sleeves i wrote down big puffy <laughs> sleeves 1980 <laughs> big puffy sleeves yep big puffy sleeves to match the breasts that's yes. how you do and uh, yeah but he seemed to actually be doing okay so for a guy who was so sexually frustrated by being turned down at work to actually resort to murder he's now actually legitimately scoring with this woman you'd think he would have at least to maybe increase his alibi, if nothing else, might have taken her home. Let out some more of that frustration. And well, don't they say later on that he's a he's a frequent hooker user? No, I think he... I I think he's just said that to, to set up another alibi. Oh, okay. okay. I think, and once again, later in the film, we will get to a hooker. But I don't oh, think but- he's a frequent, I think... Uh, well, Bronson has another one of his great lines, and he says, "You never made it with a girl, have you?" You know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. He just, uh, right. "You've never made it with a girl." Like he's really like this guy's a thirty-something-year-old uh, virgin, virgin again. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the way. And, and one of my favorite scenes is next after the big kill because then they 
Well, they do the whole uh, forensic thing, and the guy drops his gum. And and he contaminates the scene. He's like, oh, sorry, that's mine. I wasn't thinking. But this is, yeah, but it's Charles Bronson scene. picks it up. This is the first time in a pre-CSI movie yes. where the cop actually, you know, they actually do the right thing by trying not to, cont- you know, Charles Bronson is pissed that he contaminated yeah. the crime scene. So this was like the first time in any movie, uh, you know, in the 80s where they're not just tromping through their... You know, not caring about clues or anything like that. So, oh, I absolutely, that was, yeah. I they, thought they that was do... nice. He picked up the gum and he, oh, that's mine. Well, if it was yeah. yours, why didn't you just pick yeah. it up when you dropped it and um... or swallow it? We didn't know it was bad for us back then. Yeah, sometimes that was your lunch was a stick of gum. But you're right. He does. He actually does proper forensics work when normally in other movies like you know your Clint Eastwoods, your you know early Stallone, whatever they're coming through, they're smoking their big cigars. Right. There's ashes everywhere. They're just tromping all over. I remember uh, an old uh, Columbo episode where he's eating an egg at a crime scene and he's dropping <laughs> shells all over the place. So. Yeah, yeah, it's just like what the hell? And yeah, before fr- uh, forensic technology was good as it is now, like they, these poor suckers in the labs. Needed all the help they could get. Right, they don't yes. need- I can just imagine the, the guy, the uh, forensic scientist in the Columbo episode there is like, uh, well, we think the killers were the husband, uh, the jealous lover, and a baby chicken for some yes. reason. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now this is where we're first introduced to Wilford Brimley. Yes. Wilford Brimley is the chief of police. And I have and- this written down. Wilford, uh, Charles Bronson is 13 years older than Wilford Brimley in this movie. Yes. Wilford Brimley was born in 1934. Charles Bronson was born in 1921. If you see this movie, you know why that is shocking. Yes. Because Wilford Brimley always looked like Wilford Brimley from Cocoon his entire (laughs) life, I believe. I think he was born that way. Yes. I think he was born (laughs) Wilford Brimley with diabetes. Yeah, <laughs> doing Quaker absolutely. Because yeah. I, I have a note in here, and I didn't look up the ages. I wish I had, but my note literally just says I didn't realize how old Wilfred Brimley was until I saw him in a Charles Bronson movie, and is still playing the part of the older police officer. Right. Yeah. yeah. I even did not he, fact even check. Even when he's thirteen years younger, and he still looks like he's the older captain. Exactly. Now it's. I did look it up. Uh, Charles Bronson did have a bit of plastic surgery, but. Yeah, that was really? one thing. He, yeah, he did plastic surgery for this for movie. this role to 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 look young. He's sixty three. Yeah, he's. I thought I, I got sixty one. Sixty one. Yeah. Okay, so that didn't it didn't work. I'm sorry. Like these is just two old men trying to get through this and wade through this case. Yeah, it's and then and then because they, they bring the younger guy in too, right? So right, they bring in uh, 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 um, Andrews Andrew Stevens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> wow. Thanks for looking that up because I hadn't. I just thought I had it. Like just visually, it played. So that that amazes me yeah. that he's actually thirteen years younger. It's insane. So, but one of my favorite scenes is after the the crime scene uh, scene. They go to um, uh, the office pool, the secretary pool. Yep. And the one woman takes a call. And she's oh. like, "Oh my god, no way! Oh my god, that's terrible!" And she sort of puts the phone down. And then walks out and then blurts out to the entire office, so-and-so is Betty's dead. Betty's dead. Betty's dead. And I have <laughs> I have written, Betty's dead. Horrible acting. Because oh, yeah. all of the secretary, oh, no. What? Oh, oh no. Oh, no. It's, it's, just, it's just horrible acting from start to finish. The Betty's dead scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, Absolutely. I, uh, I love the uh, when she first picks up the phone, hello? 
what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. uh, and I think like nothing. He hadn't had a chance to say anything at this point because you just said hello. Yeah. Bring, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, it's been like yeah. that old commercial. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Scott, but there's what old commercial. Uh, old lady picks up the phone. Hello, it's Patrick. He got life insurance, and like, there's no way in the amount of time between those two <laughs> lines that she's able to hear. Uh, it's Patrick. He got life insurance. Yeah, and she goes at all the details of what he got. Like she knows the exact plan, probably has his his insurance number and everything. And, and <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, it's Patrick's insurance. <gasps> oh my God, it's Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and did you notice everyone? No one in this movie is wearing seatbelts when they drive. Did you notice that? Well, I mean, this was it was 1983, yeah, but it was absolutely. It was just one of those things uh, when Bronson and and, um, Andrew. and Andrews were driving to the house of the dead girl's parents. I just noticed because both of the buckles are up by their heads, and I was like, maybe huh. I don't know, maybe it was for the shot or something like that. I don't know. I don't know if it had to do with the shot or well, it was, just, it was like no, you no, said, it, it was 1983, right. but I was just like. Huh. It was seat seat belts were put in the cars as an option back in the in the yes. 80s. Yep. Honestly, I do remember a time when they were not. Like, they were not. Uh, yeah, you did not. It you wasn't illegal save, yet. You could save money buying a car by not getting it with seat belts. Yep. Yeah, they were an option, just like the intermittent wipers, and and that's the thing. So now, what this did do for some scenes was provide the actors a means of like the car pulls to a stop and they're out of there. Yeah. Yes. Right, so they they weren't finagling with their seatbelts, like, and the guy, the one guy at the near the end, he really does jump out of that car practically before it stops. But he's not wearing a seatbelt, so he can do that. Yeah, and I, yeah. Uh, Andrew Stevens is is uh, smoking in the car. Cars. Oh yeah, and I've real and watching him, I, 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 he he smokes a few times, and I've realized he's not a smoker because he I didn't look that. natural smoking. I hate that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves in movies is non-smokers smoking. Yeah, he was definitely a non-smoker who was trying to smoke because he just looked awkward smoking a cigarette. Yep. (laughs) One of my big pet peeves in movies. I've never been a smoker, so I always take your word for that one when they don't look natural. So I always look to you guys to to call that one out for sure. But even sometimes I pick it up. I'm like, ah, I don't think I would do that if i was smoking yeah <laughs> he's just he's just holding it weird like he's, he's holding just, it weird he lights it weird and yeah yeah so. like, like he's trying to hold he's trying to act tough so he's like picking it up with like uh like his hand over top of it you know and stuff like that when he's pulling it out of his mouth and it's like yeah uh, just just don't like, <laughs> like so, he saw a production of rent and they were smoking while they were doing this and he's like yeah i'll do that or something. yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> like that's where he picked it up from can uh can we get to the funeral well, I just wanted to say, uh, they're, they're, dri- uh, Bronson and Stevens is driving to the parents' house of the murder. Oh, girl. Yeah. yes, yes. And yes. I know, and when he knocks on the door and a man answers it and he's clear, I, I noticed this, he's clearly a Canadian actor because he says out. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I know it's because out and house are the two words that ring in my ears when a Canadian, when a Canadian says it because it's, it, they're just they just say it so differently than us in the states. So ob- uh, so obviously this guy was a Canadian actor. Um, oh, okay. Because well, I definitely heard that. the word out when he when he was talking to Bronson. <laughs> so that's something we never pick up. Out and on. house. Yes. <laughs> out and just, house. Okay. Out and house. Yeah, we have to say it like we're European all of a sudden, just to try and <laughs> just try to cover it up. Oh, cover it up. But before the funeral, they go to the. Uh, the murder girl's roommates, and this is where we find out she's a whore because right. the roommate, you know, what, he, they didn't say 
what guys were she, was she dating? It was like what guys were, were she sleeping with? No, no. What guys did she go to bed with? Go to bed with. You go to bed. And with, yeah. this, which sounds so so fifties to me. Yeah. <laughs> and her roommate names off six or seven guys, <laughs> and then she goes, "There's this one guy she didn't go to bed with, but kept calling a Mexican, I think." Yeah. So <laughs> now she names off, and here's the deal. And I don't know. She names off six or seven guys that she went to bed with, and then her roommate goes, uh, in the papers, could you try to make her not sound so cheap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, six what? or seven guys. But you pulled Wait up off second. the top Wait. of your head. Yes, that she knew off the top of her head. Like, I- you knew right away. And the first and last names, yes. by the way. It's not like, okay, there was Todd and Barry and Chuck. No, no, it was Larry Johnson, Todd Gordon, Barry Manilow or something. I don't even know, but... Yeah, no, what was her name? Weird. What was her name? That what was the slut's name? Was it was she Karen? She was Betty. Betty. Oh, she was Betty, played by June Gilbert, who doesn't have much of it. Uh, she did one more one more movie after this in '84. <laughs> oh gosh. So, but but we don't <laughs> as a punk anyway. Um, well, this <laughs> was, and I don't know. Maybe it's. I mean, this was early '80s. This was before things got bigger than this was before AIDS, right? So I, that was a time when people were having a lot of sex. I guess. Yeah. Uh, not just female, not just women, but men. I mean, she, but uh, it was just. Obviously, she's having more than the national average. <laughs> so. I think, actually, I think this might have been near the start of the AIDS scare, if I'm not mistaken, just because. Well, the, this was, the idea the, I think like this was before, you know, it got into the public conscience. And Well, no, but there, there's like a sensibility here that they're trying to push through where it's like. Uh, the freedom and love of the '60s and '70s. No, it's you're just a whore. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, you're not, no, yeah. you're not exercising free love. You're just a cheap piece of tail or whatever. You know, and that and that's the thing is that what's what's that going to read in the paper? You know what I mean? How's that going to read in the paper? Uh, Betty so and so survived by her parents. Woman of ill repute. Like, well, I mean, there's no <laughs> reason for the you know the 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 cops or the paper to report. You know, if none of these guys, you know. They would probably, they would probably, if if a if a unscrutable reporter got a hold of it, they would probably report it as to sensationalize. It's like she had six or seven, she had seven lovers, and any one of them could have killed her. Yeah. So I, j- I just want them all named in the obituary: survived by Brad Johnson, Jim Smith, <laughs> and just <laughs> all of whom she loved, and, and <laughs> all of whom she sort went of to bed with, all, she, all yeah. of whom she went to bed with. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, uh, uh, something I didn't put in my notes, but you made me think of in the uh, when they visit the parents. I just want to, real quick before we move on from that. Uh, did it not appear that maybe this Canadian actor and wife may have had a scene where Bronson is in the living room telling them, and it just didn't work out? So they're like, "Fuck it!" They cut to him going in the door. Yeah, that was weird. They cut. They cut back to the rookie smoking, and then Bronson walking out so some time later, and going, "Ooh, that was tough," you know? Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's right. Don't let your feelings get in. Because <laughs> he yeah. just got done telling his rookie not to let his feelings interfere with his job. Yeah. And then he had to go in there and do that. And he's, so I guess he knew the girl that his daughter yeah. grew up with the daughter. So. Yeah. 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 The daughters were friends or whatever. That's, right. Yeah. And then <laughs> not only does he say, don't let your feelings get involved in the job, but later on, we're going to see Bronson pushing his daughter and this guy together. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, dumbass, she's hitting on you. Yes. <laughs> Fuck my daughter. <laughs> she's got good genes. 
But now, Take her to bed. But now we are at the funeral. You wanted to say we're at the funeral now, so you wanted to say something about the funeral. Take my daughter to bed. All right, sorry. <laughs> Take her to bed. <laughs> so this don't is where her, the don't make her cheap. <laughs> don't take her cheaply to bed. Take her to a classy place. Take her, you know? take her to a classy van. <laughs> <laughs> Something with a wolf. That's right. I, I heard there's one that's up for sale. You know, <laughs> yeah. slightly used. Slightly, slightly used. used. <laughs> you may want to change the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> What's, Replace the that orange shag. <laughs> oh, replace oh, the orange oh, yeah shag carpeting yeah. It, it was that it was that or green shag like that's yeah. pretty much yeah. you walk into the shag carpet store you got two walls one has orange one has has green yeah. what size do you need <laughs> um but at the, but we're at, at the the, we're at the funeral now we're at, we're at the, the funeral, funeral now. now so at the funeral first of all uh what's the young cop cop's name what's his uh, stevens andrew stevens yeah steve okay so stevens I swear he's doing a scene right out of Funeral Crashers, because as soon as he locks eyes with Laurie, it's like, eh, we want to, he might as well be making that fucking gesture that Will Ferrell does in <laughs> yeah. Wedding Crashers. They're extra horny, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, because he, yeah, like they're supposed to be kind of lamenting this woman's death, and they're just making googly eyes at, e- at each other. Laurie knew this girl, and she's like, mm-hmm, yeah, cops looking she at me. She doesn't seem to be too been out of shape. Ah. She was cheap. Sorry, that's the daughter's voice in my head. She sounds like Bronson too, because it's Bronson's daughter. So, <laughs> my my friend Betty was cheap. <laughs> um, secondly, I swear, uh, Warren might as well have just had this giant, like, car- cartoony shit eating grin on his face. He's like, <laughs> I killed her. <laughs> that's the right, look that's I got. What off I have of written in my notes: way to act creepy at the funeral. Yeah, it was like, yeah. He, yes, it was. I mean, I don't know. Because we've we've established that he's a pretty smart guy. Yep. And so you think when he was at the funeral, he I don't know if he is mentally incapable of covering, uh, you know, uh, you know, covering his emotions. But yeah, you maybe you figured if he went through all that trouble to cover up the crime, he wouldn't stand out like a sore thumb. You know, just like, drawing attention to himself just by being extra creepy. When somebody's like, talking to, when the daughter, when Bronson's daughter talks, she's like, don't I know you? And he's like, do you? Have we met somewhere before? Have we? Have we? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like a simple no would do? Yeah. Or <laughs> just, or, or if you have, it's like we did, or, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't know, or maybe yeah. we have. I pulled down the zipper uh, of your dress one time. Do you remember that yeah. now? Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, that's, just, that's, I, I don't know. I, sorry, that, 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 that's a weird thing in this is, is that you guys are noticing plot things. The one thing I noticed in the funeral um, was there was a scene where Lori, uh, at the funeral, Lori walks up to her father with the uh, young cop next to him. And then one of the extras walks directly in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this, but she walks directly in front of the camera. They cut to another angle. And then they cut back to that camera, and it's moved slightly to the ref to to to, to the right around the extra. And I was like, "Oh, you know, you could have got rid of that in editing, but okay, that's all right. That's me. All right. So you could have got it, rid of it in directing. Yeah, cut. Yeah. Uh, let's cut. take it. To, let's go back to one. Uh, try not to walk in front of Charles. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you are yeah. not the star. Funeral of the movie. gore number three. Try not to walk in front of Mister Bronson. <laughs> yeah. 
Like yeah. you'd almost think that they were filming at a, an actual funeral, like to save money. Yeah. They just, they're yes. just like, can we just, we're just gonna have some cameras and Charles Bronson over here. Just, just, just don't mind us. It was, like, it was like a. <laughs> These aren't extras. These are actually funeral <laughs> funeral goers. Yeah. Funeral goers. <laughs> yeah, this guerrilla style fucking movie making. I guess in a Charles Bronson <laughs> yeah. movie. We saved money on that funeral scene. Yeah. And seat belts. And seat belts. Yeah. <laughs> so then, oh, at oh. the funeral. Yes, we uh, get a big clue. Charles Bronson and the father of the dead girl are talking very loudly about clues. <laughs> yeah. I think my daughter had a diary. It might tell us what we need to know. It's like, why are you shouting this at a funeral? Yeah. It's, and, and we get now our second reference to how just how slutty Betty was. He's like, all the names of all the guys she did it with. So many so names. So many guys. <laughs> yes. her, her, her father uh, knew. Her father sorry. knew that she was fucking everybody. Yeah, and must have read the diary at one point. Sorry, Scott, just for you. Oh, so many names, eh? Oh, just <laughs> so many names. <laughs> this, oh, yeah, this, she's a fucking whore, bud. Oh, yeah, fuck, eh? It's like, she would like fuck a moose if you if you if you position them right, you know. You know? <laughs> the, so this, naturally, the killer hears this. Yes, and I goes to the apartment to retrieve the diary. Yes, but we don't know that he doesn't know that Charles Bronson already has it. Right. So um, <laughs> I actually like this scene. Uh, yeah. So we cut to the apartment. He he breaks in. He's trying to find uh, the diary. And he finally uh, comes up on this rickety nightstand that is harder to get into than Fort Knox. Why don't you just take the nightstand? <laughs> yeah, just or just pick it up and smash it. Yeah, yeah. So he's try. He goes into the the kitchen and gets a huge butcher knife and tries to pry open the door, the drawer. And the roommate comes home, so he hides in the closet. Conveniently enough. Conveniently, yeah. so she's coming home from the funeral. She's drained. She changes into a robe, and uh, <laughs> and uh, her boyfriend calls, and she's like, uh, you know what? I'm just going to fix myself something to eat. Why don't you come by in a couple hours? <laughs> and and here's something. Whenever you see somebody making toast in a horror movie or you know an action movie, when they push that plunger down on the toast, you know that they will get murdered. The second that toast pops up, it happens twice yes. in this movie. Yeah. So when she, when she, when she put that toast in the toaster, I've seen this movie before, but I forgot the scene. I'm like, she's dead. I go, she's going, she's going to die, and that toast is going to pop up right when she dies, and that's exactly what happened. He comes Absolutely. out of the closet naked, naked, of course, and stabs her, and then the toast pops up. Yep. <laughs> it actually, hey, happens he- later on too, because uh, when when he comes to the to the apartment of the girls. Which we got to get to because this is running along. But anyway, um, she's making toast, and the toast actually pops. She takes it out, and that's when he comes in. So that's weird. I, I have two things about this. One, I think that nightstand was made of just layers and layers and layers of paint. Yes, that's all it was. It was wood, and then just painted over so many times. Uh, secondly, I, I wish I had, I'd been old enough to have dated an '80s lady because there's not there's something about a woman who wears a one piece negligee, her robe <laughs> open just so, and wants to cook eggs after a funeral in the <laughs> yeah, middle of the afternoon. Eggs after a funeral. <laughs> just, I, that was weird to me. I'm like, okay, I've I've had some weird cravings for dinner myself, but 
eggs after a funeral? Oh, okay. I just, it, yeah. What, I, what, what is it that's soothing about you know, eggs? I don't know, but... It, uh, but anyway, he, <laughs> yeah. But he finally works the drawer open, and there's this box, and it's a blatantly said, "My diary." <laughs> In case there was any doubt, it's my diary. Now it's not the actual diary; it's the box. The box of the diary. The goes diary, in? and I, I, I've never known anybody who's had a diary that keeps it in the box. I no. Never, so he opens the no. box. The diary is gone. So <laughs> apparently, uh, Bronson has a flux capacitor because he was able to get to the apartment before him. No, no, he was there before. Remember when he met the roommate and he said, oh, I'd, li- I'd like to uh, see ah, some of Oh, you're things, okay. Right? But then Bronson would have said, oh, why- I-, I have the diary. But then why not take the box? Yes. That's what I don't get. If you're going to take the diary, but take if the, the box. But if the dad tells you there was a diary in there, Bronson's like, oh, yeah, I, sh- you know, he w- I think he would have said, I have that. Yeah. So, um... That's weird. Yeah, really. Like, don't make it sound like a new idea when you already right. Has don't it, make man. it sound like a new idea when you have it, so, and that's it. Or either he just called ass over there to get the diary and lock up. But how would he get in if the roommate wasn't there? So I don't know. So yeah, this is yeah, totally yeah. And, weird. and might I add a very another subtle note? It was a very large and robust box. Just it was. to to handle the weight of all those many names. It had to be very <laughs> so robust. many oh. names. Oh fuck! So fuck. many names. Oh fuck! Fuck. <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping for a scene where she hears him rustling in the closet, trying to get undressed back there, like <laughs> like just rubbing against the door. Well, the three, I get we keep bringing up that he's naked. The reason that he keeps undressing is that so he won't get blood on his clothes, so right. it can't be traced back to him, which is actually kind of smart. Which is very smart. Yes, absolutely. He doesn't have to burn his clothes. He doesn't have to burn those. his clothes. He doesn't have to take them to the. You know, the laundromat to the laundromat where they ha- or to a dry cleaner where they can interview him. You know, it's like, well, he did bring all these clothes and there was a suspicious stain. So, he, I like that he's 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 very smart and kind of thrifty too. He yes. drives a modest Volkswagen, <laughs> yeah. and you know, what I mean, he saves on his laundry bill by taking off his clothes. Speaking first, of thrifty, you know? he comes home from the from the shopping market, um, and and this is where the cops meet up with him, and it's sort of the first sort of in, in, interrogation of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason they tracked him down is because they have the diary. Because they have the diary. Yes. Uh, and but then but then they start uh, they start grilling him with the weirdest questions. So you like movies, huh? He's like, <laughs> yeah. Who, who who doesn't? Hey, right? I hear you like colors. Yeah. <laughs> so you like karate? Yeah. And that's so a, yeah. And so and karate is brought up again, but it's never never paid off. It never paid off. He never uses the karate. <sighs> And yeah. and the and it's like I said, Bruce Lee, when you go into the bathroom, when Charles Bronson excuses himself and goes into the bathroom, and on the bathroom door there is a Bruce Lee poster of okay. Game of Death, which was produced by Golan Golan Globus Globus Globus, yeah, uh, who produced this movie. Uh, so that's okay. how they were able to get that movie poster. I see. But this is the one that Bruce Lee dies while making that one. Right. Kind of- no, he, yeah, he died. Yes, that's the one. That's the incomplete one. That's the one with Kareem Abdul Jabbar. That's right. Yes. Um, but the other question they ask is uh, so I see you did some shopping. And I'm like, is no one allowed to shop in this <laughs> town? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Well, well why are you yeah, asking him these well, questions? When they quiz him about the movie, they go, it's Butch Cassidy and a Sundance Kid. And Andrew Stevens goes, oh, isn't that the one with Paul Newman and Steve McQueen? And he goes, no, Newman and Redford. Right. But uh, an interesting side fact is 
that Charles Bronson was with starred with Steve McQueen in the Magnificent Seven. That's right. So, I remember that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that so they was- name drop McQueen there. That uh, now uh, they also disobeyed a big rule of movies: uh, never bring up a better movie. Yeah. Ne- yes. Never mention a, a better movie in your shitty movie. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't show us Game of Death in, in your shitty. Well, Game of movie. Death, I can see. Game of Death is not a better movie than this movie, <laughs> yeah. but Butch, Butch Cassidy, Cassidy is a much yeah. better Sundance. movie than this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I'd put up uh, uh, Kareem versus Bruce Lee against that, any I mean, of these I, action I will scenes. say that <laughs> this is going to be an extra long podcast. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the fight scene between Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bruce Lee is fantastic. Epic. I mean, yeah. just get the movie and just go to the ending and watch that. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Yep. Finish the game of death, and that's all you need. <laughs> but um, while he's searching oh. the bathroom, what does he find? Naked photo of a, of a guy. And? Oh, the Deluxe Ejaculator 3000? Yes. Yeah, yeah. My God. Industrial strength. An industrial strength. Yeah, this thing looks like... A- at first, I thought it was like an oxygen mask. You know, there's something like the EMTs would put on you. Because I wasn't sure exactly what it was at first. Yeah. Because it kind of looks like this thing like they put the mask on you and they, and they sort of help you breathe. They squeeze it and it helps you breathe. And I was like, that that, that can't be. Oh. No. Oh, no. And Charles Bronson is He brings it out. Like, he, like it, you know what? Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's fair. But then he brings it out during the another interrogation. He brings it out during the interrogation. When he's back in the police like, station. It's for jerking off, isn't it? You know what this is? It's for jerking off. Like yes, yes, of course. Why are you bringing this out? Why is it here? This, this because uh, he wasn't think... under arrest at that time. No. So removing that from his apartment is illegal. Technically speaking, I believe yes. so. So it's it's theft. Technically, because yeah. they didn't have a warrant or anything like that. He just took it. Right. Exactly. I, because at th- that point, he was a, he was he was just under suspicion. He wasn't under arrest. They had no nope. warrant. You know, he they. You know, he permitted them. Uh, permit. They, he gave them permission to come into his apartment. Yep. So, yep. and which he could have revoked at any time. Yep. Uh, you know, but that, uh, that this this apartment scene is one of my favorite parts. Those one of the uh, favorite lines from Bronson. He's like, and there's another name. Oh, uh, he keeps reading off like all of the comments that that uh, that Betty made about this one guy that creeped her out at the office, creeped her out at the office, and and all the stuff that he did. Do you know who that is? I'll give you a hint. It's you. <laughs> That's a hint, Chuck? You really? didn't give me a chance to guess. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even give me a chance to guess. You didn't give me a hint. I'll give you a hint. It's you. <laughs> okay, thanks. He would have made a bad game show host. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine him doing Jeopardy. And here are the categories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, I'll give you a hint at the answer. It's Pompeii. Oh, you win. You won. Again. <laughs> no need for a lightning round. All right. Uh, and I think this is a first for CanadianMovieCrew.com. I think this is the first full-fledged industrial strength jerk-off machine we've ever had in any so. movie that we've yeah. reviewed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, th- I wow. believe next we get introduced to Bronson's daughter, Charles Bronson's daughter in the yeah. movie. Lori. Lori. Well, it's, a, it's the next no, scene we I have mean, after well, the funeral. No, we're not introduced, but this is where we find out that they don't have a good... It's that famous uh, cop trope, uh, yeah. I have a poor relationship with my daughter. Yeah, Please. this is where we get introduced to, to uh, the daughter's sass. We get, this is what we get introduced to in this scene. Yeah, Right. She's definitely my daughter. 
Yeah, she's she's Charles Bronson's daughter. You know, she makes it clear that he hasn't been a good dad, and Charles Bronson is a widow. And later, she uh, insinuates that Charles Bronson was not a good husband. Yeah. So it's the standard. I'm a cop, but cop is my you know being a cop is my life, so I don't have time for my 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 wife and daughter. Yep, the standard trope there. That, absolutely, uh, almost every cop is a bad husband slash father. Like the the better you are at your job as a cop, the worse you are at home. Yep, right. Pretty so, much. So so there's one guy who got busted down to working a desk all day. Father of the year. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He goes yeah. to every ball game. <laughs> right. He sees every yeah. recital. Yeah, that's right. He's got that nine to five. Uh, you know, he might as well be working with every woman in the typing pool, but. Wouldn't it have been better if this was a police typing pool, by the way, and the guy works downstairs or something? I don't know. Yeah, it's Warren well, that it's Warren that weird guy from downstairs that works with all the chicks, you know. Well, and so eventually, like they they do arrest him. Um, no, no, they don't arrest him. They just bring him in for questioning. They bring him in for questioning. So the so the girls from the movie theater can identify him, right? And they do, and they do so. They say that's yes. And then, but how does he get brought back? Because eventually, he gets brought back on on murder one, doesn't he? No. Oh, this is no. Yes, he, gets brought he, back. he does later. That's later. Well, okay. Well, first, and because then you know, um, oh, they get the tapes. Because because ta- he, yes. he ends up calling Lori. Right. Well, so here's what happens. Uh, the next scene after the uh, police station. Is Charles Bronson, his daughter, and the young cop having lunch together? Right, right. And uh, she invites the young cop to a party. Right, and that's uh, where she reveals that she got a obscene phone call uh, from a guy who yes, spoke with Spanish, a Spanish. Yeah, which was a clue. You know, which was which happened to the last girl. Yeah. So, so uh, the young so we cop, go to the, we, the young cop accepts the uh, you know the invitation to the party. Just so we can keep an eye on her. And they tap the phone, and they tap the phone at the. Uh, she, her her daughter, his daughter, is a nurse, and she lives with three other nurses in this dormitory setting. Right, it's a teaching hospital. Yes. Okay. Does that happen? So the, is that normal? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, used to be anyway. Where okay. the, yeah, you'd have a, a like a living quarters because these nursing students would be in class part time, and then also in the hospital part time. So we cut to the '80s dance party. A swinging, sexy '80s dance party where Woo. we see headbands and leg warmers. Oh and God, the whole thing! <laughs> the big hair, <laughs> and instantly, like five seconds in, cocaine reference. Everybody, here we go. <laughs> Ten <laughs> yeah. seconds in, people fucking in the washroom. So yeah. <laughs> I love that scene because the guy they get they get scared when Buddy busts in with his gun, but as soon as he leaves, he's just like. I'm still hard. Pushes yeah. her down. He's like, let's keep fucking. <laughs> he's, well, he said, he said, he said to carry on. He so. said, carry on. Yeah. So he's like, who am I? Who am I to disobey an officer of the law? You yeah, know? really? <laughs> so this is where the romance subplot is introduced oh. between Charles so, Bronson's daughter and his partner. Quick is note it, about the 80s party. Did it not seem like basically when they were filming it, chances are there was no music playing, so they had no idea what they were dancing to. <laughs> that, so that probably way, was, you know, for the dialogue. I wouldn't yeah. doubt that if that, you know, because it Absolutely. Was. And so they're all just like, we don't know what we're dancing to, generic 80s dancing. It was awesome. <laughs> all right, I want some generic 80s dancing out there. So. <laughs> and yeah. action. 
Oh man, it was it was the best. And then the generic eighties <laughs> pop that they overlay it is just completely out of place. <laughs> I mean, it's offbeat and everything like that. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> so yes, back to the blossoming love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they That's go. So they leave the party. They go out. He walks her back home. They kiss, and the phone rings. And he's like, oh, answer the right. phone because, and this is where he gets, what leads him to get brought back in again. That's right. Because he calls her and he starts talking dirty and he says the word, he says the word cunt. He calls her a cunt. Right. And which is, I think this was, I saw this movie on Showtime. I think that was the first time I may have heard that word in okay. my whole life. Yeah. So it was, that <laughs> might have been the first time I heard that word. And, um, <laughs> daddy, what's a cunt? Yes. <laughs> uh, but what happens? Go ask your mother. No. Yeah, ask your mother. Uh, <laughs> what's, like what's a your cunt? Dad is your mother. Charles Bronson, yes. but anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> what, what's a cunt? My mother in law. Anyway, <laughs> go play outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, he talks to her on the phone and then she starts getting into it and he gets angry. And that's why he calls her that. Because he, yeah. I guess he doesn't. I guess he wants to be in control, and uh, you know, I guess from what we've hinted before, he doesn't like it when uh, when women are, when women are interested or something like that. I so, guess maybe he's so far gone it it, it doesn't matter now. So right. he's so trying he to get flips it. out. He flips out when she starts. You know, I'll meet you at a hotel. He gets really angry at that. So. Well, yeah, it's uh, you know her sass wins the day here that right. we we were previously introduced to, and it's really just a matter of uh, like I think he was he, he's trying to get a rise. So when she actually goes along with it, it's like, hey, that's not the reaction I wanted. I want you to yeah, I want you to be scared and stuff like that. So exactly, she exactly. Did, uh, she did a great job of not falling into his trap. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So and and does what the cops saying you know keep him talking so they get this long voice recording of him which was very clever by the cop and they replay it and what 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 do we hear when they replay it cunt cunt, cunt. yes <laughs> so they replay that they replay that snippet yeah oh and, and i love i love the uh, forensic uh, of this they play one tape they play the other yep that's the same guy <laughs> <laughs> It's an identical There's voice no man. electronical, the guy, the, you know, voice morphing or voice mapping or anything. Nope. Just click. Uh-huh. Click. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's the guy. That's definitely now, now, him. On. Now, Ex- hold on there. Expert opinion, they call it oh, later in the movie. Expert hold- testimony. Whoa, time out, Sean. I'm sorry. I got to call you on this one because he did hand him two separate pieces of dot matrix paper that clearly <laughs> had true. the computer readout. That's what we called it, which yeah. had waves on it. Clearly, hey. with a, beyond a shadow of a doubt, showing, and he tore the is... circles off the side of the page, so you know it's official shit. Well, the, the guy's a professional. You're not going to give Bronson a readout, <laughs> with, you know, without with perforated edges. <laughs> what are you doing? Come on, man. He's a that's a, that's a profession. You're tearing down this guy's profession. He's obviously very old. He's been doing it a long time. There was a time when he would have to draw those wavy lines himself. <laughs> so, so let's give him kudos for adapting to the times. I'm sorry, I had to come to this man's defense. He's a he's a professional. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But then this is where so they they go and arrest him, and they grab his clothing that he wore the night of the murder of the blonde, the original blonde, the whore. Yes. Um, and they grab the the jacket and the pants and the shirt or whatever, 
and then and then we get a scene where Charles Bronson basically goes in and gets blood. Right. He's to to tamper the evidence. Yes. Which I uh yeah, he's talking to Andrew Stevens and he's like you know, he's like, We gotta keep this guy off the street, so he makes a he makes a moral judgment. It's like I'm gonna frame this guy. Yeah. Which yeah. I wrote in my notes, uh well, we'll get to it. so yeah, he goes to the place where the blood is stored and the intern is smoking smoking weed. Smoking weed. Um another classic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Guy who oh yeah, the bird guy the who works out? night smokes weed in the in the lab. Um, yeah. Charles Bronson sends him away on a uh, you know on a stupid errand, and uh, Charles Bronson gets a sample of the dead girl's blood. Knows exactly where it's at. Yeah. Knows exactly where it's at. Goes right which through, vial? You know, goes you know doesn't have to rummage through the refrigerator where it's kept. Knows exactly where it's at. Gets the vial, steals some, puts it back. Well, yeah. It- well, contrast that. Says, contra- con- excuse me. Contrast that with the young kid who is just sent to get a tape and takes him forever. Yes, he's, he's going through each tape. He's like, "Oh my, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not. It. Oh my god, I can't find the tape." You know, I'm like, and he and he works there. And he's yes. the one that should know exactly where this is. But it's like, "Hey, kid, pothead, go find the tape for about two and a half to three minutes." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, and yeah, he knew he knew exactly which vial it was in. Just whoop, and then he knows exactly what to do and how to. Like it's like you know what the scary part is. It looks like he's done this before. Yes. Oh yeah, oh, like this yeah. is not his first frame up. He no. just gets busted by the kid later. He knows every single move of right. how to do this. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So he exactly. And he plants him on the clothing, and I put in parentheses insomnia. Did you ever see Insomnia with Robin Williams and Al Pacino? I did once a long time ago. Al Pacino yeah, does yeah. the same thing in that movie uh, okay. to frame somebody uh, that he thinks is a killer. Yeah. So. That, oh, yeah. And I have in my notes, Dirty Cop, our hero, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's, that is very weird. And then they, so they go back and they, and the guy's being questioned with his lawyer, or he's talking with his lawyer or the DA or something like that, or both. Um, and Bronson walks in and he's like, Hey, we're booking you in murder one. And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I know. And then the guy, then the guy flips the, the killer flips out. I'm like, way to look not guilty. Right. You know, like he just, he's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And he starts punching the door. He picks up a chair. He throws it at the door, busting the door a little bit. I'm like, Hmm, that makes you look guilty. <laughs> Maybe calm down oh, a bit. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think that goes back to where he can't control that. Well, okay, granted. Yeah, I don't think he can control granted. that stuff. Right. Um I gotta admit, I would kind of be that mad too if I because if I knew like he knows, okay, yes he did it, but he made he went to yeah, such but lengths he knows to make that sure. Can't be true, what it, that's true. Yeah. He knows that that's absolutely false. So now he's getting busted, but for all the wrong reasons. So right. he absolutely can't uh, yeah. This is uh, crazy. Sorry, I gotta stop real quick to welcome back someone else. By the way, the guy who played the lawyer. Okay. Je- uh, the actor's name is Jeffrey Lewis. Jeffrey we Lewis. last saw him on this show in Double Impact. Ah, oh, Van Damme. I knew that. I knew he was in the movie we saw once before. Yes, that's right. Double He's Impact. a big. Uh, he was a big Clint Eastwood. He worked in a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. Jeffrey Lewis. He was. Oh, okay. Of, he was one of Clint Eastwood's stock players. So now he's with. Uh, you know, he's he's been in uh, movies of two of the most famous tough guys ever, Clint Eastwood and Charles Bronson. 
See, oh, I, sure, know, not, I know him from two places. I know him from Maverick with Mel Gibson. Yes. Yeah, he plays the bank. Maverick. He plays the bank owner. Um, and I also know him from um, Square One Television, which was a PBS show back in the early 90s all about math. But he had a recurring <laughs> role on that show, so that's how I know him. Well, now, hang on. He's also had a lot of TV fame being on uh, not only the A-Team, but Magnum P.I. There you go. Oh, yeah, he, the- did, he did a bunch of stuff. So, Oh, f- everything from Falcon Crest to uh, Golden Girls? He Blue was Thunder in did- an episode... They made a live-action television series of Spider-Man in 1978. Yep. <laughs> he was in an episode. He was a bad guy in the episode of one of those. Photo finish. I remember the name of the episode. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, wow. Go-go dated reference. Yes. Wow. Hell, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, he was on uh, The Six Million Dollar Man. This okay. guy has had a career. Yeah, he's a Holy big character. Well, he's dead now, but he had a career. He had a career. Starsky and Hutch? <laughs> Like okay, Mark, just, just step step away from the IMDb. We got to go. All right, all right, all right, all right. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> we got oh, still God, a long way Kung... to go on this movie. He was in Kung Fu. All right, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, which was originally supposed to star Bruce Lee. Boom. That's full right. Circle. Boom. Full it. Up. Yep. Wait to wait to bring it back around. Awesome. Awesome. So, but then we find out later on. Okay, so they they get some sort of the the court thing. They kind of bring him into the court, and they're gonna they go to trial pretty quickly. Yeah. In this, well, right? the lawyer. He, Jeffrey Lewis, the lawyer, keeps insinuating that the evidence is false. The evidence is false. So do you think that the killer told him, I killed this guy, but I was naked, so there's no way that blood could have been on my... I think he I think he must have. I think he did. I think he did, and, too. And so. this guy's just a damn good defense attorney. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm taking everything out of it. It's it's all about the, uh, the evidence now. Because and he gives him the crazy defense, right? Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> And he says, whatever you did will go with you're crazy because that'll that'll work. That'll get you away. That'll put you in a mental hospital and not not in in, in the death chair. In fact, I'll go so far as to give Jeffrey Lewis's character so much credit that after the freak out, he's like, oh, shit, he did it. He absolutely <laughs> yeah, did it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, this uh, he, he would have seen well, this you before. Know, Jeffrey Lewis plays a scumbag. You know, he just plays a scumbag lawyer. He's just taking this case for the glory and the and the. You know, publicity and all that. Yeah. So he, he doesn't Absolutely. care about this guy one way or the other. He doesn't care about the dead girl one way or another. He just wants the publicity. Yeah. He's look, looking at his win-loss record. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then, but then um, the young cop, the rookie cop, finds out about the, the tampering um, after some prodding from the DA. Um, he's like, you know, you're going to have to tell the truth, the whole truth. If you don't know the truth, you better find out the truth. So he finds out the truth. That was actually really good on the lawyer. Oh, sure. Just, Absolutely. J- just harass the partner right down the line to make sure that he actually gets to the truth. Yep. And then Bronson gives himself up, essentially. Well, he ad- he admits to the judge that he, he tampered to, with the he evidence. He admits to Andrew Speed. He goes, do you think I planted that evidence? <gasps> I did. <That's> so, <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. give you a hint. I, I did. did. Yeah. I, yeah, I'll give you a hint. It hey, was me. You know? If you want to know who planted that, planted that evidence, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> It was me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It You're wasn't right. you. It was me. <laughs> That's exactly what he does. <laughs> and then he goes to the judge, but he goes up to the so he goes to the to the prosecutor and he pulls him aside and says, You know, I tampered with the evidence. I tampered with the evidence. You gotta stop the trial. And then they so they pull they go up to the judge and they have a sidebar and he says 
did and he's like, wow, really? You tampered with the evidence? And he says, mm-hmm, I totally did. And then cut, and he's still a cop. No, he's not a cop. He's not a cop. He's at been that point? fired. Oh, okay. But he's not just, in jail. They just fired. Oh, okay. just fired. Just fired. But he's not in That's jail. It. And I figure, isn't tampering with evidence a crime? That's what I would have thought. Unless he's out on bail. But uh, they skip right over that if he is. They do not show us any. They of do that. not oh. show us anything. So he and did, he did to this say movie, he got fired, but he's not in to this jail, movie, and he, he definitely fired. should be in jail. No, oh, yeah. I, well, I, no, we, I mean, I shouldn't say definitely. I don't know the legal. I mean, I don't know the legal system that well. But to me, it seems like if you tamper with evidence, you should be you should be in jail. You would be in jail, or you know, or at least out on bail or something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I believe there is a term for that: obstruction of justice. Yes, yes. that's exactly it. Yeah. So. We don't even get something from the judge that says, "Listen, due to your twenty years of service, we'll you know we're not going to sentence you, but you are, you can never be a cop again or something to yeah, kind of right. give this guy." Because Bronson, he's just too happy about it. Eh, I've got time on my hands now to pursue this creep. <laughs> hey, I can track this down and harass him for all I want now. Um, yeah, and I don't even have to type anything. But does the trial have to end? Yes. Well, they could they, have done. Uh, I mean, they, it didn't have to end. I get they could have. That was the only evidence they had. They could have gone on circumstantial evidence, which I don't believe that was strong. No. So no, everything what, that, the, so, that this whole trial, trial was went based ahead on. and they found him not guilty. Can't try him again. That's right. Double jeopardy. Double, double jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, double jeopardy. Sorry. Uh, so I think I think the the prosecutor did a smart thing by dismissing it. So in case something comes up later, they can try this guy. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think everybody in that room knows that he did it. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they just lost their smoking gun. Right. So, turned out to be a water pistol. <laughs> um, and so, Bronson starts harassing the guy. He's dropping off the crime scene photos at his work, uh, which I assume gets him fired. Right? Yes. Because the lady goes to, she goes to Brenda in HR, and he's, I'm going straight to personnel. You're out of here. <laughs> And uh, the ladies. Oh, the sure, pool, sure. Now, now there. he gets fired. Oh, okay. Now, oh he yeah, gets yeah. Fired. Now he gets fired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, he's so Bronson's following him, and then he goes to do. Uh, this is where he picks up the hooker. Right. right? Well, first, yes. This is well, but first, before he picks up the hooker, he picks up. He he goes into a cabinet, and gets the butterfly knife he used to kill the whore with, which right. means. The the police did a shitty job. Thank you. Searching that apartment. Because he just went, you know, it was just like he just reached into this cupboard under the sink and pulled out a knife. It's like, no, it's, nobody looked up, you know, you didn't. Yeah. So the police well, did, did a shitty job. If they would have had the knife, that might have been physical evidence that they could have matched yeah. the crime scene. Well, you had him on charges of murder one. You think that would give you enough evidence or uh, uh, enough to warrant uh, a search of the house or a search of his apartment? Yeah. So. But that's the thing. So Bronson plans this whole thing right from go. So he says, just bring the clothes. I'll bloody them up later. And that's it. And, <laughs> that's true. But now, no, granted, true. Uh, an- another, another tick in this killer's uh, repertoire, though. Did you see exactly where he hid the knife? They, he had to pull a pipe out from under his sink and fish it out, and it was all wrapped up. Yeah. So it was in the like one of the, the lowest points in the sink. So he had oh. to basically forego using that sink, and, and he wraps <laughs> it up, and he keeps it in there. I mean, again... That's actually really clever because uh, you never see in movies where they're like, "Oh no, we need the smoking gun. Check the sink. No, pull out the pipes." And <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's it. true. Yeah, someone yeah. called. Uh, someone called the forensics team and the plumber. You know? Yeah, <laughs> call the Mario Brothers. 
Call the Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, call the Mario Brothers. Exactly. John Leguizamo. Uh, well, you know, uh, yeah, uh, you know, but you were talking about this is where he picks up the hooker. We see the standard looking pimp yeah. with oh, the hat yeah. and all that. I mean, does textbook. Why does he always got to be a black man? Yeah. So <laughs> if you looked up pimp in, you know, 1970s, early 80s, that was that yeah. was what you would get right there. Oh, yeah. They hired that guy. And that guy got a lot of work playing and, that character. And of was that one pimp. of the hookers a dude? I thought, yes. I think so. Okay. I think yes. so. Okay. Yes. This is the start of the androgyny movement of the 80s. Just asking. Kind of look it like Frankenfurter. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now, did you, and the other thing, sadly, if, if I'm not mistaken, only black guy in the movie. Not to be racist, but this movie's kind of racist. No. Yeah, no, that's Well, true. they had the black, uh, no, her roommate was a black, we had a black girl. Her roommate one, was a black Yes. Girl. Yeah. True. One and one. Yes. Yeah. Apparently there was a limit. I don't know. <laughs> were there any uh were there any black women in the secretarial pool? Nope. No. Oh. So. No no one in the police force? There was the black uh the, the black, sergeant yeah. that the that his daughter was talking to. Yeah. That's oh, funny. He oh, never okay. mentioned a daughter okay. before. Okay, good. Good. So three. <laughs> so Sorry. let's let's go to that conversation real quick. Yeah, I'm his daughter. You're his daughter. So that means he's your father. Yes, he's my father and that means I'm his daughter. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> Do you guys not know the definition of daughter and father and father? Like, wow. Okay. Anyway. Now, uh, you know what? I sit corrected. There was two of them, but still <laughs> kind of like we're, we're not there yet where <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I suppose three white guys shouldn't be sitting around talking about this anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, really I love the role. I, I love the role of liquor in this movie. It's essentially liquid chloroform that you just drink because we have a scene with Lori and Charles Bronson, and she's had a couple of sips. And she's like, ooh, I'm all drowsy and tipsy. Walk me, you know, take me home. And then later well, on, I, like... I, I, the- can we can we go to that scene? There was something on that scene. She, I've seen this in a lot of movies. Uh, she kisses Charles Bronson on the lips. And it's not yeah. sexy, but I just don't... I do. Do people, do grown children kiss their not parents grown. on the lips? Not grown. No, I don't. I never kissed my mother on the lips when I was a grown man. So I, as I a see kid, this, yeah, you can kind of get I away with it. I was a kid, yeah. But as adults, I see this in a lot of movies. It's just creepy. She, you know, he's 63. She's in her early 20s. <laughs> yeah. She shouldn't be kissing her dad on the lips. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is, you know, on, it's on the cheek. Yeah. He kisses her. He kisses her on the forehead lovingly. You know yeah. what I mean? She kisses him on the cheek, maybe two if you're French. Yeah, that's it. That's that's <laughs> it. But no lip kissing. But the weird thing also in that scene is, uh, is, is she kind of puts her arm around him and goes, "So you want to taste? Okay, so you take me home." Right. And I'm yes. like, "Woo!" Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I I had a shiver too. Like I, yeah. I I, I know was... the context of what she's saying, and I know she doesn't mean that, but yeah. I know like, it was that's meant why we to got be... an R rating. Yeah. yeah. Just that. For <laughs> Just that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, exactly. She's like, oh, who am I to argue with my dad? But it's just like, you want to take me home? And then, brr, 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 sexy jazz music, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cue the saxophone. Cue the saxophone. But but that's the thing. Liquor in this movie is an instant sedative because when Warren gets the hooker to the hotel, one glass of what? Jack Daniels or Scotch well, I or think something the, like that? I think it was drugged. I think that liquor oh, was drugged because he doesn't- We don't does, see it, though. We don't see it, but he doesn't take a drink and he pours it all down the toilet. So mm, I think because okay. he makes a he makes uh, it okay. uh, definitely not like like you said we're not we're not shown it but I think it was drugged. 
Well, that here's why I would sense. argue against that is because in the scene before with Laurie and Chuck, uh, I forget what his character's name is. Leo. Now, just calling him Charles Leo, Bronson. Yeah. Leo. Sorry, with Laurie and Leo, she literally says, as a, a health professional, liquor's the best sedative that yes. I can think of. Yes, she does. She actually sets it up as the, a really great sedative. So that's why it then pays off, quote unquote, with with like the hooker taking a sip. I'm sleepy. <laughs> You know, and away she goes. Well, I but thought you, she was dead. But so, you, figure, he, you figure, you uh, figure, you know, uh, well, one, uh, I, I don't think a hooker should be drinking anything, drinking anything that a stranger gives her. For That's sure. True. She should probably know better. Or two, she's lived a rough life. She can handle one glass of, you know, Jack Daniels. A or, glass oh, of yeah, Jack Daniels yeah. is not going to put her out. So. Yeah. Yeah, she she walks the street. She has a bracer when she gets home from that job. Yes, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's yeah, that's, not relaxing that's not always... with a diet coke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's... yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just going to do my Jane Fonda workout tape and have a diet coke and go to bed. You know, <laughs> she, she's she's definitely not a stranger to what the uh, what the Lori's girlfriends called uh, earlier in the movie grain alcohol. Yeah. Did you catch that? <laughs> no, I didn't oh, catch that. She goes, oh, I did. Oh, we're talking about the party tonight. Like, oh, I think I can secure us. A bottle of grain alcohol, and I'm like, "All right, sure. Well, All right, you're from the farm, are you? Like, why? Yeah, where? Right. Yeah, where's this movie set? Hazard County. What the hell's <laughs> really? going on here? <laughs> Flash. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So here's in something we see this week, which we saw last week, the shitty front hotel, de- front, the, hotel, the hotel front desk, yep. who just lets anybody into any room. <laughs> yeah. For any amount of money, now it is because last week during Maniac Cop, go uh, you know listen to that one if before you listen to this one. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Spoiler alert for Maniac Cop, mind you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, there's a scene in Maniac Cop where this woman gets a key to a room, despite you know just by getting it from the front desk, and it happens again in this movie. You know, Charles Bronson. You know what room did they go in? And he just gives them a twenty. Okay, give me the key. So it's extreme in these movies. It's extremely easy to get into a hotel room. Hey, give me the key. No, maybe Mister Jackson will yes. change your mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wait, wait. Are, are you proposing a shared universe with Maniac Cop, where it's the same <laughs> shitty hotel? I think and so. Then, oh my! God. With 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 very low hiring standards. <laughs> that's what I have. Another loose hotel clerk. Yes, that's, what that's exactly what happened. So that's yeah. two weeks in a row that's happened in a movie. <laughs> oh my god! And is it me? Uh, oh, sorry. Are we are we get past yeah, the hotel yeah, here? Ahead. Because because Chuck gets this, you know, delayed enough for him to, again. Very clever. Knows he's being followed. Sets up this alibi with a hooker, right? Because yep. mm-hmm. ostensibly, if he actually succeeded in killing Lori, he could hop back into this hotel, get back into bed with her, and she'll remember him. Right. right it's I, right. the theater all over I, again. But I think he believes he lost Charles Bronson. Yeah, so but I don't think the... he knew that Charles Bronson was right on his tail. No, but well, he's still – that's what I mean. Like wh- whether Charles Bronson's uh, telling him or not, this is the theater all over again. Right. No, no. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. He kills the hooker. No, the hooker's no. not dead. Bronson's oh, not dead? No, the hooker's just out. Oh. Yes. Again, alcohol is a very good sedative. Right. That's what oh, we, I thought that, alcohol... And that's another oh, reason I why I – because when he checks in, he makes it very specific. Give me a wake-up call in three hours. Yeah. So he makes it very specific, and he couldn't kill. I mean, why would he kill her? You know, people have seen him go in. True. So it would just be yeah. if he's setting up an alibi, it would be stupid to but kill. The thing her. was, like Charles Bronson checks her pulse, and that's why. And you only do that with dead people. 
Well, no, you make sure people are alive by checking their Right, pulse. but but in movies, you only check the well, pulse of dead people, right? I'm pretty, no, no, okay, no, I'm pretty no. sure that she's alive, and she's going to be okay. his alibi later. Well, that makes more sense then. Okay. But right, I'm also the, sure that he didn't know that Bronson was right behind him. Because Bronson right, so, went back and asked one of her hooker friends where he she usually takes her Johns. So that's where he knew where to find him. Maybe this fifty will do. Maybe this he has. For some yeah, he's unemployed. He's spending money while money like water. So. He, I know. He's what is he even doing with his paychecks? I mean, he doesn't drink. I, I don't know. Like a, I'll buy another tweed jacket. That's about it. You know. <laughs> yeah. I put thirty dollars in my tweed but, jacket fund. And but here's another stupid cop thing. It's like Andrew. You know, Andrew Stevens is knows knows that Charles Bronson is hassling the killer, and. He's and Andrew Stevens goes. You know he's going to come after you, and that's what Bronson wants. Neither one of them suspect that he would go after the daughter. No. Yeah, no, you know, and that's exactly what he does. Yeah, he goes especially, after young women. Yes, and especially after the crank phone call. Exactly. Guy, Stevens so, was right there. So essentially, with Charles Bronson following this guy. He leaves his daughter unprotected and pisses the guy off just to make him go yeah. after her with uh, with you know a, a greater fever. So. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, received two two dirty uh, obscene phone calls. Google it, um, and then like the, but yeah, before dick pics, we had obscene phone calls. <laughs> yeah, basically it. Um, there's no there's no cops at the door. There's no surveillance on the dormitory room. Yeah, there's not no even a, like a marked taken squad car. Other than here's my walkie-talkie, right? Which is at the time when he says it's the cutting edge of you know <laughs> cutting edge technology. Cutting edge yeah. technology is a is a, a police scanner, <laughs> so. and this thing had to weigh like ten pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this brick that she got. <laughs> this thing is bigger but, than the Zach Zach Morris telephone. Again, Google it. Two two things about this hospital. First of all, this is where I absolutely want to be uh, brought every time I'm sick because it only has hot nurses. <laughs> all of yeah, the, and. Apparently, it only has four nurses <laughs> in the entire dorm. There are four yeah. women living there in one room because they all scream literally bloody murder, and none of there's no pop by from the neighbors to <laughs> yeah, say, true. "Are you okay, Joan? Are you okay, Sally? <laughs> are you watching a scary movie? Oh, there's a guy with a knife. Like no, yeah." <laughs> Nothing. Nobody notices the naked guy with roses walking up the stairs. <laughs> Thank you. Now, and this is now, this is where he gets naked again. And I, I can't believe that has to be said on this podcast. He gets naked again. Once again, <laughs> gets, last two movies, there's been a ton of male nudity yeah. in these movies. At least this one I'm sensing a titties, trend here. Yeah, and you so pick, you've picked both of them. I picked both of them. That's on me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I take that. But he has to know. That if he murders Charles Bronson's daughter, they have to know it's him. Yes. They have to know it's him. Yeah. I don't know why he would get naked. There's absolutely no way he could. Well, I guess so. But to me, it's like there's no way he could get out of this if he murders Charles Bronson's um, daughter. It's, so well, why is he why, getting naked for well, this Well, I one? assume that this is during a time where fingerprints aren't a thing. Because his fingerprints unless, are everywhere, his footprints are everywhere. Yeah, unless, and I want to get to the footprints in a second, unless that's just the way he does, unless he can only do it naked. You know, maybe it's yeah, like he said yeah. at late game, you know, you know, that's, the knife is his penis. Maybe he can't, <laughs> maybe he has to be naked just to get into, into killing. So. Maybe. 
Maybe, you know maybe what? that's uh, not uh, only not only getting blood on your clothes, but maybe that's just the way he has to do it. Now, uh, here's the deal. Are we are we at the part where he gets well, into hang the on, Hang on, Mark. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm just going to weigh in as the expert here. I've watched several scenes of Criminal Minds, so... <laughs> well, thank God I course. thought you were going to say expert as a naked serial killer. But <laughs> as okay, a right. yeah, yeah. No, no, I've never been a naked serial killer. But uh, I will concur with your uh, hypothesis. This is part of his process. If, if Criminal Minds has taught me anything, you get into a rhythm, and apparently you can only do it one way. And I don't think he get, he's naked outside the building. I think he actually waits till he gets past the front door, because we see him in some sort of hallway. Yeah, but still, he's he walking up the, the stairs naked. Oh yeah, yeah. He does. He but does since uh, there's those only three four floors nurses, or whatever. There's no. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sorry, you were going. Uh, well, yes. this one. So we're at where once again, you know, roses for you know whatever you do, don't open the door for anybody you don't know. I'm going to open the door for this guy I don't know. Who delivers roses in the <laughs> middle of the night? Yeah, really. <laughs> it's the middle of the night. Who delivers roses in the middle of the night? And what's now, what's the plan here? What's the play? He's got the roses partially obscuring his face. Does he really think that Lori won't recognize him behind a couple of buds? Yeah. Like, like, well, nobody knows that he was naked, so... Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, like, the roommates haven't seen him, but Lori has. That's true. So, if the roommates answer, they don't know who he is from anybody. Hey, wait but a minute. But if Lori that... comes to the door, like he's hoping... Well, yeah, but his face could... was plastered all over the TV and papers for weeks. You know? Okay, okay. That That's just true. furthers my point. This little ruse of a couple of roses, that's going to fool anybody <laughs> like that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That, that, I, big fault here. It's like, well, maybe if Laurie had looked through the keyhole, it's kind of like, huh, that flower delivery guy kind of <gasps> looks like Jim Carrey. Yes. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't open the door. And I love to. We actually get a don't open that door in the movie. Now, Normally, oh, okay. Yeah. This is one thing I have to ask you, too. Sorry. Uh, okay. This is sort of a, a stereotype of American uh, uh, theaters, um, where people do people talk a lot in the movie theaters. Yes, is that really it? That wow. is really a lot of people talk in theaters in the states. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, now here's oh, I would the deal. hate that. Okay, you're in you're in your home. The phone is ringing and the door knocks at the same time. What do you do? You uh, answer the, the phone and say, there's somebody at the door. I'll be right back. Yes. Okay. Nobody ever, everybody answers the door first. Nobody ever answers the phone first. Right. Cause there, cause she's walked, she walks right past the phone to the front door and says, somebody get that phone. So. To, in her defense, she is living with three other people. Yeah, and that is all true. There. But she walks she's right not exactly... past the phone. She couldn't have just picked it up and said, you know, hello. Yeah. Because I, uh, because I feel. If somebody came to your door, they're going to stick around a lot more since they made the trip. That's if right. somebody calls, they may, you know, let it ring three or four times and then hang up. So if you, you can just pick up the phone and just say, "Oh, hey, hello, uh, I'll be, I'll be back right in a second. and just yeah. put the phone down. So she could have done both. You're right. She could have done both. That's so. food for thought. Um, well, I mean, she was designated though as the only one who was ready enough to answer a live person. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. She had my hair, my makeup. I'm in the shower. Right. Can't do. So, it. I'm, yeah, I'm making she's the toast only one again. Presentable to answer the door. We have an. I'm making toast again. Yes. Lori's yes. in the kitchen making yep. toast. Yep. Yep. So that's why she couldn't get do either. Apparently. And you know what? Her toast was burnt on one side and barely cooked on the other. <laughs> I happened to notice that. I'm getting hungry. So she opens the door, <laughs> forces her way in. He comes in, kills three of them. Yes. And short work. 
Very slasher film, though. Oh, yeah. Yes, this is where he... Now, I will say he uh, he kills the girl at the door right away, and then he takes one, and he's, you know, where's... Uh, uh, where's Lori? Where's Lori? Where's Lori? She doesn't give Lori up. Doesn't no, give Lori no, up. that's true. Says Brave girl. At, you know, she's not here. She's at the hospital. Doesn't give Lori up. The, you know, very strong... You know, in you know, face of danger, she's not giving her friend up. I thought that was a you know a great, strong uh, performance by that by that actress, and a nice choice that she didn't automatically give her friend up. Yep. Lori, on the other hand, is coward in letting her friends get slashed <laughs> and doesn't do anything. And yeah, in fact, she just tries to hide and she let me pull this towel in. And you know what? He's distracted. Come up behind him with something. Yeah, really. Hit him with something. Hit him with the eye or the curling iron that you, do the, yeah, so, that you do later on. Uh, or, to, you know, or turn off the lights. Like, yeah. she did, you know, when she was trying to save herself. Oh, she, oh now she's, she's full of MacGyver ideas. She's MacGyver while she's oh, trying yeah, to save herself. Now she's full of ideas. <laughs> slaughtered. She's hiding in the corner. I tell you what. She should have grabbed that toaster. It doesn't work right anyway. Yes. <laughs> you throw the toaster out. Right. I mean, come uh, on. But we were talking about footprints. You notice he's walking around the house. Not leaving a single footprint. Yep. In blood. Yep. But when she locks herself in the bathroom, he starts kicking that door. His footprints feet all are over the place. Feet, bloody footprints all over the place. So. Yep. And she does and the stupid thing, which uh, which all which most people do in a horror movie: hide under a bed. Yep. Which is there's nowhere to go once you've hidden under a bed. Yeah. He was in the bathroom. Run to the door. Yes. And there's also that standard trope. There's a body block in the door, and so they can't figure out to move the body. To open move the, the door. fucking body! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, so she's just a frail woman, so she can't do it. Yeah. But secondly, this this guy, for all of his karate posing, never uses got, any so, karate. He's a shitty kicker. Yeah. <laughs> he can't get through a bathroom door. Well, he breaks the mirror. Yeah. So give him that. I'll give him that. Now he, it took him. It took him like six strikes to get there, though. That's I, the thing. I actually went back and rewatched that scene because he breaks the mirror like three or four times, and you could tell it was cut after cut because the the mirror gets smashed and then smashed and then it like spidered all over the place, and then they go back to her and then they cut back to the mirror again, and it wouldn't be as smashed as it was before, and then it, <laughs> then go back and then it wasn't as smashed and then it go back and it wasn't as smashed. And I was like, huh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, then she, then he hears a car pull up, and she's like, "That's my dad. He's here to kill you." And then he does the standard, you know, "Rest assured, I'll be back." All right. And yeah. then he does the the fake leave where he opens and closes the door. Well, he actually does leave. He actually does leave, but he comes back. You know, so somehow he gets back in without making a sound. Right. So um, must have been on his tippy. Now toes. during all this, <laughs> we should say. That Charles Bronson is speeding to his daughter's place, and he's contacted uh, the rookie cop. The rookie cop, who in turn has contacted every single fucking police officer <laughs> in Including Los Angeles. Including a helicopter. Including a helicopter, and I believe people <laughs> from San Francisco. Because <laughs> so, so he contacts every cop in the state. Uh, to meet him at the dormitory. So I'm pretty sure there's highway patrolmen driving down to get these guys. Right. Um, So, so in the time that it took Bronson to interrogate the hotel owner, do do his search, go back down, get an open line to try and call. Does he call Stevens or calls his daughter? Calls his daughter's house. Calls daughter's place. Right. Right. And then he has to get in his car and speed over. We've had Warren doing all like the sneak up. The ruse, the three killings, the attempted door kicking, yeah, and and then comes back into the room and has got her. 
Yeah. Something's not missing because Bronson is still on his way. Well, How did Warren get there at, so fast in his little VW? I got stopped at a red light, don't you know? <laughs> Damn and, traffic. Yeah. Damn traffic. You ever tried to get the- down the 15 at this time of night? Ugh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a killer. Well, I know <laughs> there was no traffic because, well, I'll, I'll, I'll address that later. So, uh, so she's, she, ca- not casually, uh, she tentative, tentative, say the word for me. Ten- tentative. Oh, so now you got me. Calling. I can't. Tentatively. Tentatively steps out of the bathroom, takes a few steps and, and gets he, caught and gets caught. <laughs> yeah. And then she burns him in the face with a, um, curling, a iron. curling iron. Yep. So she had the wherewithal to heat up the curling iron. Well, no, they were they were getting ready. Yeah, the roommate. Was the roommates using were getting ready. Oh no, so sorry, sorry, but the in. wherewithal to unplug it and have it at the ready, I guess. Uh-huh. Well, when she couldn't, she maybe she couldn't have thought of that. I don't know when her free three friends were dying. Right. Yeah, Burn, there you yeah, go. yeah, yeah. So and and by the way, as a oh, nurse, but, wouldn't but, you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't no, no. Mean, didn't mean to interrupt you. It's okay. I'm just saying. First of all, you have three nursing students. They would know that, like one stab to the stomach. Ah, like they go down like they're yes here, but they just the deal. He's naked and he's kick him in the balls. Yes, he's naked. His junk is just grab it. He's naked. He's vulnerable yeah. down there. Oh, you but, take the curling iron and stab him in the balls. You know, it's just absolutely. do well, something to be fair. Genitals. To be fair, with the with the amount of uh, things that they use to hide his genitals from the movie, um, it's it's very clear he's not very big. Not well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he's standing in silhouette, there isn't exactly a third leg hanging right. down. Like you know he's what I mean? not. But I'm just saying. I mean, he but is you vulnerable. Yes, absolutely. You know. Well, with the curling iron, though, you've got to top of her. Just bring your knee up, hit him yeah. in the junk. He's naked. Yeah. You know? Absolutely, you, you've got a few targets down there. Yes, I mean he 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 obviously doesn't know karate. He doesn't. No. He can't defend. And with the curling iron, though, you do have to get through some of that late seventies, early eighties bush, though. So <laughs> it's going to take a little bit to burn through all of that. Maybe I don't know. So she burns never... him in the face with the curling iron. Yeah. So she goes for the safe move, get him in the cheek. With the curling iron, yeah, absolutely, and and she's out of there. Now we have the the dueling. <laughs> we have the the naked Terminator. This is the fucking naked mile run. This is, but this is what you're talking about. The traffic. He's running down a road in Los Angeles. There is nobody around. Nobody around. Nobody. No cars. No pedestrians. Nobody in a street in Los Angeles next not to even. a nursing station, which is probably <laughs> not- in the you know. It's not in the middle of nowhere. No, it'd be near the hospital. Yes. There is not, not a soul around. <laughs> Nary a wino to be found. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. This is just like the Masters got- of the Universe when, when Skeletor <laughs> has all of his evil ships come through the portal and it's a dead street and there's no one out. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, we couldn't even got like a wino kind of thing. Just look and just be like, oh, that's weird. You know what I mean? Like, just kind of <laughs> yeah. drunkenly watch him run. <laughs> yeah, like Drunk Bill from Back to the Future. Right. Uh, damn drunk damn drivers. Drunk. Damn drunk yeah, no, psychos. <laughs> well, no, you, you, you bring the, you bring the wino from the first one who couldn't stop looking at Bronson. That's, there you, you bring, yes, from the beginning of the movie, you bring him back. You know? <laughs> but that's the thing. And he's also chasing her down and she's, she's doing the, uh, the movie girl flailing the arms. Ah, kind of running. <laughs> And he is doing the fucking Terminator T-1000 chasing Terminator, the cop car, yeah, Terminator right? Terminator 2. With, yeah. yeah the, like, he's chasing yeah, yeah. him down. He's running. Like, he should have caught up to her a long fucking time ago. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Robert Patrick catches a car yeah. doing that. <laughs> she, he can't catch a, a woman doing the flail run. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> so until until eventually he kind of does. Yeah, well, this, she she runs into his dad because I guess he took a shortcut. Uh, yes, so, yes, yes. Is sixty one year old Charles Bronson beats them both there <laughs> by five minutes? <laughs> you know, and he can't even. Hey. You know what? If you're there early, why don't you run the other way and hey, where and you catch been? Up to your I've dog. been waiting. Hey, <laughs> That's I just true. had a he sandwich goes- and a beer. Where have you been? <laughs> I do cardio a lot. That's why I <laughs> now, look so I will young. say this for a man of uh, Charles Bronson took excellent care of himself throughout his whole life. He did. So, and, did. you know, maybe, you know, he was in very good shape for a 61 year old at that time because he uh, ate right and he exercised. So, yeah, but he also had plastic surgery. He did have plastic too, surgery, so. but I'm just saying, I'm just saying for a, for a man of his age, he, looked, true. he, he kept himself in pretty good shape. I submit to the jury exhibit A, Wilford Brimley. There yes. You go. Fair enough. 13, Fair enough. 13, Fair enough. <laughs> 13 years younger, way out of shape, looks older, like. <laughs> yeah, even yeah. without the plastic surgery, he would have looked older than Charles Bronson. Yeah, yeah exactly. And there's no way that Brimley's doing the doing the, the naked mile. Oh, no, no. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, Charles Bronson's daughter is dead if, if Wilford Brimley's in pursuit. <laughs> if Brimley's on the case, yeah. What do you want from me? I've got diabetes. And honestly, why? you know, as the captain of police, why was he at the first crime scene to begin with? Why was, you know, why the captain he, of police? Yeah, well, yeah. Chief of police. Yeah, he's just a, you know, he's behind the desk the rest uh, of the, you yeah. know, why would he, why was he called out in the first place? So, I don't know. Maybe to handle the, the media, which maybe, blows maybe. off really yeah. easy. Um, well, didn't they, didn't they insinuate that that wasn't his first kill? I believe yeah, so. I believe so yeah, yeah, I believe so, so because think, at the so beginning he, of the movie, shows up, we find out he's looking for a killer. So. Yeah. Uh, like a ser- yeah, now they got a serial killer, so the captain shows up to kind of... Okay, yeah. okay, I can see that. I can see that. To make a... Yeah, to show a bit more like, hey, this is serious, right? So yeah. it's not a one-off. So they have the big showdown at the end. Charles Bronson has, uh, has his daughter. The rookie cop shows up, takes the girl away. A thousand um, cops show up. A thousand cops show up, and, and they try to take the guy down naked, which... Yeah. Um... And they so many cops, and, and, but, so many but he cops. starts to play. And he's smart because he because he starts to play this defense of I'm going to claim that I was insane and blah blah blah, and I'll get out in 30 years, and I'm coming for you again. And Bronson's like, No, I don't think so. Blammo, you know, and and he shoots him in the head. <laughs> spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! But I mean, love. And I'm like, I, I love I love the shot in the head. You can tell it was just the guy with the ketchup pack, and he went. And then just split, <laughs> just spit the ketchup at his head. Yeah. <laughs> like, but then, movie over. No repercussions. Yeah. He's not a cop, so he doesn't have a legal right to shoot. So him. yeah, he just murdered somebody in the street in front of a thousand cops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's. Uh, we, obst- I mean, I'm sure there is going to be a repercussion. We just don't see it. We, we don't know don't it. See it. Yeah. Like, like there's no repercussion for him. Uh, granted, he was a murderer, and yes, he should die. But he shot him in cold dead. He's not a cop. Uh, he was not being attacked. You can't claim self-defense. Can't claim self-defense. The guy was naked, for Christ's sakes. Well, the daughter See, was if being he was attacked. Smart, yeah, if he would have shot him right away, you know, when he was chasing his I daughter. I thought he was going to. Yeah, to shoot him right there. That's self-defense. He's defending his daughter yeah. from a guy w- with a knife. So, but he, would waits have until, he waits until the thousand witnesses show up. And the guy, ha- the, you know, the guy drops the knife. He's not, he's, so he's unarmed. Yeah. So he's naked and he's unarmed and he's almost in custody. I thought he was going to be handcuffed. That would have been even better if you yeah. shot a handcuffed guy in the head, but they didn't. But 
Now, well, but devil's the, advocate, Charles Bronson is a cop. These guys are all cops. Do you think there could be like a mass conspiracy? It's just like, sure. Will the, you know what? He did have a knife. He was attacking it was self-defense. Stuff. It was yeah. self-defense. Do you think? Now, there's so many cops there. One's probably bound to not, you know, but that I'm thinking that might have been a way to, you know, to work it out. Yeah. Hey, no go way. with my story. No way. You'll end up in the same thing, too. No nope, way, Mark? That, no way. Stevens is too much of a fucking goody-goody for that. He won't oh, play that's ball. That's true. He turned him in well, in the first place. Yeah, he's, he's not I don't playing know. ball. I know he loves, he loves Lori, he but loves he ain't Lori, playing though. ball on Murder 1. You, he ain't gonna look, roll Cause, over. Because she pissed. Because he pissed her off when 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 uh, when he basically when, when she took yeah when yeah. he turned in his dad turned he, in her dad turned in her dad. So well, he was going to anyway. Um, oh so. yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, he he's not. He's too green. He's too too uptight. You know, he's the he plays by the rules. You know. Yeah. So the denouement then really is uh, let's see obstruction of justice, um, maybe a speeding <laughs> yeah. ticket or two. You know. Um, and then murder one. Like that's our hero, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so that's 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 the movie. Uh, just a couple of things. Gene Davis, uh, who portrayed Warren Stacy, the killer, uh, was so into his role, he acted so intensely that he actually dislocated an actress's arm during the final murder scene and massacre uh, when he broke into the uh, girl's apartment. I, I bet you it was the one on the bed. No, I'm thinking it's the one he threw into the wall of the ba- of the bathroom, the one with the black, Same- short black hair. Uh, uh, same girl though. He roughed her up on the bed and then threw her into the wall. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. I probably. Yeah. yeah. Poor thing. Uh, the film was made in 1982, two years before the DNA uh, started to be used in criminal investigation. So this movie's kind of ahead of its time. Oh yeah, yeah. They want to use blood samples and like you could tell uh, blood types, and that was it. But they didn't. Well, really the use thing it was the... not only did she have the most specific, uh, the most uh, not specific, the most uh, unique Rare? blood type, AB. She also had hepatitis. Yeah. Because she, Cause, yeah. she's a whore. Well, yes. <laughs> so, that was, so, so that was pretty much like a fingerprint. You know, he had AB blood with hepatitis on his shirt. Yeah. yeah so. And so many forms of hepatitis because there were so many guys that raw-dogged her. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she played yeah. fast and loose, this girl. So, <laughs> so many guys. <laughs> so many guys. <laughs> when your dad says that. So. When your yeah, dad's, yeah, Oh, exactly. so many guys, eh? Oh, no. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so as always on this show, we try to find the real story behind the story. Mark, I have two of them. Okay, uh, or is it how not to win friends and influence people? Okay, uh, okay. Uh, or is it nine thirty-two? Because the time had nothing to do with this movie. Ten to midnight. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> the time has no bearing on this movie. It's not like he gets killed at. Oh, it's eleven fifty. I guess I better shoot him in the head. No. That's true. It, it, Actually, I never thought about that. What is the, the title, title even having anything to do with it? I'm waiting for some significance for ten to midnight. Well, that's nothing. like waiting for significance from being a karate expert. It's like a <laughs> lot of true. things are introduced and then what well, and then you can not s- followed up on. That's right. You can see why I'm pissed off, yeah. right? Because <laughs> like this is, this movie's called Ten to Midnight it has nothing to do with the well, Matrix. Does, has to do with the Matrix. It's like a WWE <laughs> angle. This doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Scott, you come up with anything? I came up with uh uh, subconsciously following in uh, your parents' footsteps because his daughter makes it a point to say, and you know what? You're a cop, and that made you a shitty dad, and that made you a shitty husband, and I'm going to fall in love with a cop. Ah. So she's, you know, so she just, she hates everything 
you know, she, cause her, and there's a scene in the movie where her and Andrew McCarthy, you know, Andrew McCarthy's actually defending Charles Bronson and, and his daughter is just basically saying, you know what? He was, he wasn't there for me. He wasn't there for my mother, you know, because he was a cop. And now she's falling in love with a cop. So she might be destined to repeat everything ah, that, that her mother did, that her mother did, which she hated in her father. Right. So. Oh, so the deeper story here, it's not about this naked killer. This is about the, the father-daughter relationship. Uh, well, it was, ah. I mean, it was one of the, uh, you know, subplot. The, the two subplots were the father-daughter and the romance. So I think they sort of tied in together. Ah. It is kind of Laurie's movie, really, when you think about it that way. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have it, or is it life lesson number 409? When you have a bad man that needs to be taken down, you get an even worse cop. Because he's tampering evidence, yeah. he's shooting people when he shouldn't be. I mean, like well, he he's said, bribing, this is our hero, ladies He's and bribing people to get in the rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian, you know, paying off hookers. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, where did he get that gun? Because it shouldn't be his police issue piece. No, add, I mean, no? every in every movie, every cop that gets suspended has a spare gun. Oh, yeah. In, just, in, the, in the States, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. okay, but we were also we were also robbed. Sorry to mean to cut you off, but we were absolutely robbed of the... Slamming of the badge and gun down on the captain's <laughs> desk, and this is this is bullshit, Captain. And yeah, we, we, we did. We well, we couldn't. Right I don't think we could have. We we couldn't get it in this movie because Charles Bronson was totally in the wrong. It's not like he could take that moral <laughs> high ground on. You know what? This is bullshit. I broke the law. <laughs> God damn it! Boom. So he couldn't well, really he take the high ground eyes. because he was he was totally wrong as a cop but you could have had the scene of like you know i gotta ask for your badge and your gun yeah yeah we I, get yeah so we, yeah we never get the surrendering of the badge and gun and i thought that was missing it that's another trope they hit a lot of other ones they so hit a lot of other ones. that's yeah. very true so that's gonna about do it for uh 10 how long night. was this how long was this podcast? oh we're looking we're coming up on the two hour mark wow is this the longest podcast maybe oh maybe you gotta get oh how oh we gotta keep oh man i want the longest podcast it's long, baby. We'll, we'll have we'll have extra long intro and, and extra yes. music for you. Um, oh, by the way, you guys need to follow me on Twitter. I follow you guys have you guys okay. you guys have four followers and yeah. are following ten people. You got so <laughs> yeah. you got to. I followed you guys on Twitter. You guys have to follow me back Done. on Twitter. You're at Scott White ninety one. Yes, right? at Scott White ninety one. ScottyBlanco.com is my website. Yep, and definitely go see this man when he's coming out. He's coming. Uh, I will be week, in. You're, you're in Toronto. I am right in Toronto now. for the next two weeks, and yep. what this will be coming out on the, the, uh, this the, this coming Thursday. So, so that uh, today you're, is, you're in Toronto right now. I'm in Toronto. Yes, I'm in Toronto right now and next week. So and as then, this is airing, I will be in Toronto this where? weekend, and and then, and then the, and then I will be there the following week. So when you hear this, if you're in Toronto. You can check me out uh, for ten days, and then after that, you're in Ottawa. Yes. So, uh, so if you're in Canada, in, in Ontario, if you're in Canada, come see me. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. We just drive everywhere. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. This These has been were fun. great. Thank um, you. So, absolutely, definitely. you're welcome back anytime. We whatever we got to do, Skype or anything like that. Yeah, um, we can. Maybe, you know, Sky. Um, we can Skype from the state. You know. Yeah, that'd be fun. So. I'm, I mean, you know, and I That'd can't wait to first. see what... Yes, uh, another Skype from the States. That's right. I, I, I can't wait to see what movie w- uh, with an uncomfortable amount of male nudity you pick for us next. So <laughs> I have a movie and I have actually have a movie in the, uh, mine next, uh, okay. but, but I won't say it now. Won't, okay, you perfect. Know, teaser, but I, uh, there's no male nudity in that one. Okay. So. 
Excellent. Well, um, and I guess that's it. I'm Sean Taylor. And I mean Mark. Now I'm Scott White. Join us next time when we'll take a look at the story of a sheep who breaks into the boxing world, becomes the best, and suffers a tragic fall. Robert De Niro stars in Raging Wool. <laughs> <laughs> To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast.